What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Okie Podcast. On today's episode, I have another amazing guest. He is an actor, artist, photographer, and filmmaker. My guest for today is Robert I. Mesa. Yo, what up, man? I appreciate you putting the I in there. (laughs) Yeah, well, I forgot to ask you before we started if you just wanted me to (laughs) say Robert Mesa. That's my fault. (laughs) This is really good off to a great start. (laughs) Yeah, that's the way I roll, though. (laughs) I'm really second guessing this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. All right. So what's up, man? How's your day been? Uh, it's it's lovely. Just been uh, doing. This is my second one of doing one of these. Uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this because it's been a minute since you talked about this to me and the podcast. Um, I'm pretty pretty excited about this. So yeah, hell yeah, good. It's going good. I'm just at my apartment here in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and it's nice and snowy outside, and it's uh, yeah, it's a pretty lovely day. So yeah. Oh, there's the snow over there. Oh yeah. It's like things like four or five inches. So, yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> what about you? Nuts snowed here. It, it was like flurry, flurries throughout the night on, I think, Saturday night, and nothing stuck, though. It wasn't cold enough to stick. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it kind of just stayed on our cars, but it's real sunny and bright now. It's like 42 degrees, uh, I believe. So, nice so yeah 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 i don't miss the uh five inches of snow (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's it's, it's kind of funny that we're doing this in san or uh, that i'm in santa fe and you're in where you're in oklahoma right yeah 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 cool this is this is where we met that's cool that's cool i know Yeah. yeah we'll get into that but so, Robert, for the listeners, can you tell, you know, where you're from and what growing up was like? And then what kind of just led into all the things you do, man, because you do so much. And we did meet in IA, and I'm sure we'll get to that point. But Yeah, we will get to that. Yeah, we yes, will get sir. to that. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> well, childhood was shitty, so we can move past that. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> No, so I am I'm half Navajo from the Navajo Nation in Saboba, part of the Band of Mission Indians in southern part of California, Lucinios. And that's mixed with a few other things there, um, with Spanish and Hawaiian and Māori and then a couple other things that I'm finding out. And the reason why I'm finding it out, because I was given up when I was a kid. Um, I was with my biological parents for a while. And then right around like six or seven, everything just kind of stopped. And... I was in the system and I moved from home to home. Sometimes it was with family members and sometimes it was just somebody that found me at a powwow, which is kind of a really fucked up story. Um, So, because my childhood was, I moved all over. I've moved to different reservations from all the way from, you know, Gallup, New Mexico, all the way up to, uh, you know, with the Puyallup's up in Washington state. Um, but childhood was, was, was pretty rough because I was, um, me and my sibling, um, we don't, we're not connected anymore. Um, it was, it was, um, it was, it was good for the beginning part and everything was lovely. Then it just, um, crumbled and, 
Um, childhood included a lot of moving around, a lot of different schools, a lot of physical abuse, mental and sexual abuse, and just hopping around. Um, but ever since I was a kid, um, I always wanted to be an actor. Like, I remember that. That's the first. I remember watching my first movie was a Tim Burton Batman. And I have this really weird ass memory where I remember everything. I remember coming out of the movie theater and they're like, you know how like when you go to old school movie theaters and you step out for the first time and the lights just like, that's a different kind of like setting for your eyes. But I remember watching that and I remember just like saying like to myself, like I really, that'd be lovely to do that. Always want to do that. And I remember um, my grandmother, when I was with her, she introduced me to cinema. She introduced me to like, um, to uh, she showed me Star Wars for the first time. I remember watching Star Wars at her place and, I got into Indiana Jones and, uh, you know, I was a huge uh, um, Harrison Ford fan, still am. And I just am like a huge Jackie Chan fan. So while I was um, with her and like with families that took care of me, they just let my imagination run wild. And then when I was with places that were really horrible and shitty, um, they would just place me in front of the TV while they'd be partying or doing drugs or whatever. And I remember getting passed around a lot and I remember just having this um, this education of music and television that I really didn't want because I would go and live with the family and they would be like in the like old Westerns. So my mind would be filled with old Westerns or they would love watching like rom-coms over here or old black and white movies over here. They would listen to Johnny Cash over here and like heavy metal and Slipknot and Metallica over here. And so that was, that was kind of cool now that I think about it as I'm an adult, like how all these influences came into my brain. And like, I remember probably watching um, that movie um, with Quentin Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez, um, the one Quentin Tarantino wrote, and he was in there with, uh, um, um, with uh, George Clooney. What is it from Dust Till Dawn? I remember watching that at a too young of an age. I don't know if you've seen that movie. You've seen that movie? Yeah, I've seen that movie. <laughs> yeah, you seen that movie. Um, but yeah, I just um, being shown all that at a young age, it kind of fucked me up. But I was like, I was like, whoa, this is this is pretty awesome, and I want to do this. Um, but like growing up, I remember when I was about like nine years old, and um, the people I was living with, um, I mean, not gonna drop their names. Hopefully, they're healthy in a better place but it was pretty fucked up i remember watching i remember watching tv and i was watching indiana jones and i remember i was watching the beginning of it and at one time um when i was a kid i was with my grandmother she bought me a cowboy hat and i always kept it around when i was getting passed around and i was wearing it watching the movie and a few people came up to me they were partying and i was in a separate room and like hey rabbit because my nickname was rabbit when i was a kid because i couldn't say robert hey rabbit what are you doing I'm like i'm just watching i'm just watching um indiana jones i was like i really want to be like him and like you want to go find treasure i'm like no i want to i want to i want to be an i want to do what he's doing he's like an actor and then i remember them all laughing at me and then i remember them telling me that they don't let little brown native kids on television you know that right so you better pick a better you better pick a better fucking dream kid. And they just left me there. And I remember just crying my eyes out and just feeling just like, like, just like shit. And 
and then I remember going to another home and a different home and and the schools weren't that great um even when I go to native school I was like felt like an outcast and I I can't remember how many times I've been jumped as a kid and in my teenage years just because I looked different or spoke different um and um yeah, so that was kind of rough. So going into my teenagers, there was a lot of just being by myself and letting my imagination like help me through everything. And then going from different schools, I would, you know, you know, I always had my emo phase and skateboarding phase where I did semi-professional skateboarding. And then I'd go to another town and they would be into sports and I would do sports for a while. Um, but yeah, I just never, um, from a younger age, I never really thought about acting because I was never around parents or anybody that was taking care of me that were like, Hey, do you want to go do this? You should, let's go throw you in the car and like take you to practice or whatever. Or you want to sing or you want to dance? Like, no, it was. And definitely as I'm getting older, there was, I know that in the native community or every community that I went to, no matter what race it was, there was, there was this, um, um, just like this toxic masculinity, societies I'd go in and like if I told them I wanted to be write poetry you know they would drop the f-bomb on me like no only that's a girly thing to do what do you what do you what do you and this is you know not to upset anybody but this is back in the 90s and early 2000s like what do you get you want to do this what the hell you want to be a princess or whatever and like no go play football go do this go box go do something else and that was really discouraging like growing up hearing that and hearing that if you if I want to go do this I'm less than what I am so um yeah and just I remember dropping out of school when I was around like 16 but prior to that I ended up you know started skateboarding and then I got into modeling because I did a bunch of research and I found out certain actors were models before they were actors so I was like man this is what I'm gonna do this is how I'm gonna get my feet wet or whatever um, because around when I was like 16, 15, I remember, um, I started regaining like my confidence back a tiny bit. Um, but I remember like a few years before that, there was a movie called A Knight's Tale that came out with Heath Ledger and the home I was at, they, I always wanted to go to the movies. They never wanted to take me to the movies, but I remember it was at the drive-in movie theater and. I think this is one one moment where it sparked acting for me, like because of this movie, this one movie in particular that I always like rewatch, even as I'm older, um, was a um, was that movie, and I remember riding my bike to the drive-in, and this is when they had drive-in movie theaters, and I closed them like like four or three years after that because it wasn't cool anymore, and now during the pandemic they're cool again. But anyways, the segue. Um, I remember I would hop on my bike and I would, uh, there was a, um, there was a milk truck spot next to the drive-in movie theater and I would ride my bike there and I broke into the, um, to the spot and I remember I had my backpack, I had my gummy bears, my beef jerky, you know, that one Mountain Dew, or it was, it was Mountain Dew and it was a, um, Mountain Dew and root beer and like some Doritos in my bag. And I had my little radio and um, it was a little safe haven for me because I remember my, when, when I was a kid, my biological parents would take me there and it, was just felt, it just felt so nice. And I remember when I went for the first time, 
I got up there and I found the milk cart or the milk truck that was closest to the screen. And so I parked my bike right in front of it. And I remember these two Rottweilers popped out and started barking at me. And I shit my pants. I was so terrified. And I remember trying to climb on top of the truck. And I remember I threw my, trying to like look in my bag and I threw the beef jerky down to them and they're munching on that for a while. And I remember I just froze and I was like freaked out. I was like, fuck. I was like, because if I got in trouble, then the people that were taking care of me, they already didn't take care of me that well. So they would want any excuse to, you know, take one to the side of my head or whatever. Just, you know, just, just to be assholes. And there was a guy that came up and he was yelling at me. He's like, what's in your backpack? He's like, is there any, you got any spray cans in there? I'm like, no, let me spray. Let me see your bag. And I threw on my bag and there was this, there was just, uh, there was just snacks in there. And he's like, you're not here to tag or anything. I was like, no, I was like, I want to watch the movie. I just want to watch a movie. And he's like, where are your parents? I was like, well, I don't really have any parents there. I'm just getting passed around and I don't, I wanted to go to the movies and no one's taking me. So I'm here and, um, and uh, yeah. And, and he's like, how'd you get in? I was like, I got in on that, by the way, in that corner for the fence. He's like, we can climb on top and watch it, the movie. I'm like, yeah. He's like, is anybody with him? I know. And he's like, all right. He gives me the backpack, my backpack back. And he's like, once this movie's over, how many times are you gonna watch it? I want you to get out of here and fix the fence while you're at it. I was like, all right, cool. And so I watched the movie and I just fell in love with cinema again. And there's one line because Heath Ledger, um, he has a single dad and he drops him off with a knight to train to be a knight, but he's a peasant and he could, um, you know, never achieve, you know, um, he could never be a knight because he grew up poor or whatever. And in the whole storyline, it's him becoming a knight and it's really cool. But I remember one line in the movie was um, his dad tells him that you can change your stars, whatever it may be, you can change your stars. And he goes by that mantra throughout the whole film. And I remember seeing that and I was like, wow, that's so fucking cool. I was like, and he gets the princess at the end and he, you know, does this and everything. I was like, all right, I got this shit. <laughs> so we were climbing down and the guy stopped me. He's like, hey, are you going to try to come here tomorrow night? I'm like, yeah, because <laughs> they're showing, it's the weekend, they're going to be showing this thing. He's like, all right, well, um, I'm going to be here at 5.30. I'll leave the gate open for you and you close it at the end of the night. He's like, all right, cool. But it's like, if you're not here by 5.30, I'm closing the gate and I won't want you in. And he's like, I don't want you breaking into this shit again. I was like, all right, cool. So I remember I did that for like three or four weeks and I got transferred somewhere else. But I remember after watching that movie, I was just like so enamored with cinema again and everything. And, um, you know, and at the time there wasn't a whole lot of native representation as I was growing up. The only people I saw in films were like Wes Studi, who is thankfully like parents' family now, practically my family, and they're like Graham Greene on shows or whatever. And um, yeah, so for me, when I watched that film, A Knight's Tale, um, from his perspective and how he was living his life, gave inspiration to me. And at that point, 
I took it out of my head that of, you know, of being native or whatever, in a sense, because in a lot of rooms as growing up, even nowadays, a lot of times I'm by myself, I'm the only native in the room. Um, so that just kind of switched up my, my thought process of, you know, um, just, just getting into the room and auditioning or just getting to somewhere and doing something. It just kind of just sparked my, you know, um, it kind of left me without any fear in a sense. I don't know if I'm, you know, really making sense, but like, you know, just, it made me a bit more fearless moving forward if I wanted a goal and how to achieve it. Um, so yeah. And then right before I dropped out of high school, I did a play and I remember um, I played Hercules and, um, and these big ass monologues that they're doing, I was so happy and so excited. Um, but also one thing that that did for me, cause I was the only native kid there and I, I was a bit like a little bit brainwashed in a sense where like, oh, I can't be in this play cause I'm not white or whatever. And I was like, no, I'm gonna get this part because I'm good at what I'm gonna do and I'm gonna get it and I got it. And then um, dropped out of school when I was 16 because I was just in too many homes that weren't working out. And it was just, it was just really screwing with me a lot and making me really unhappy. And um, yeah, and just got tired of all the moving. I got tired of just like having friends for a little bit and having to leave them or getting my first girlfriend for the first time and not being able to go to a dance or whatever because I have to leave or something. So yeah, it was just, that's, that's what childhood was. And it was just like really, it really screwed me up. And um, yeah, and so moving forward after like, childhood or whatever I started modeling and um and then at one point when around that area I got arrested and I was put into juvenile because there was a family I was hanging out with that wasn't that great that was supposed to take care of me and I was in the car at the wrong time at the wrong place and I went there for a while and then they let me go off of good behavior because <laughs> I wasn't the one starting fights I was always the one like defending myself so that's another story um but yeah and then left school did modeling for a while and skateboarded and traveled the country and did that noise and then I remember um <clears throat> I was just you know by myself and I ran into um a long lost uncle of mine and he told me um from my biological mother's side I met him and um um Lovely, lovely guy. Had a bit of substance abuse, but he's pretty, pretty bright and just like, you know, he's his own. Um, he ran a lot of school boards for the Native American school district, like from each coast, like helping them get funding and helping them, you know, achieve their goals and like build campuses or whatever. And he told me about a school called IAIA that he helped, you know, pitch in and, you know, work with. And I was, like, I was like, oh, that's cool. I was like, what do they do there? And he's like, they teach arts and everything like that. I was like, oh, awesome. Because he knew that I was a writer. And at the time, like, uh, I know I'm popping all over the place, but I got published as a poet when I was 14 because I had a lot of time to write all my feelings down. And um, one of my teachers at the time, she's like, you should, you know, put your name in for this publication. And I got it. And so he knew I was into writing and I started doing journalism for a while. And I started writing for the Navajo Times for like a hot second on the Navajo Nation. Started doing stuff with them. And 
I was just like, I'm not going to get in. I don't, I, I didn't even graduate high school. And he's like, well, just, you know, try it out. Take your GED or SATs or whatever and show them your writing samples. And then we'll go from there. I was like, all right, that's cool. I don't, I don't know if I'll do that. I was like around 17 or whatever. And then, so I applied and they said, you got it. And I was like, sweet. After a few tests and everything like that. So around that sweet spot, I, um, I didn't have anywhere to live or anywhere to go. And I remember um, I was staying with one of my adopted sisters. And I remember this organization called Dancing Earth with um, Raul and Rulan, um, who have been, I auditioned for them and they took me in as a dancer and they taught me dance. And Raul Trujillo, he's actually on uh, the Mayans. He's one of the actors on there. And he actually taught at IA for, he was doing acting classes there. And Rulan has been, was very lovely and kind to me. And then she introduced me to a casting director named Renee Haynes. And, um, and that's where I started getting auditions and doing that and failing horribly at a few of them for playing a fake role, so, <laughs> um, which that never came to fruition. Um, but I started, you know, I started helping her cast films and everything like that because um, one thing I learned growing up was, um, was um, some people that would take care of me. Was, I guess this is the only thing I got out of like this toxic masculinity, like, thought or like I don't know if it was a, a coach's thought or whatever but I was pretty tiny growing up and so they would push me into like go play football or basketball with the older kids um just to like toughen me up or just or just to make me play better or for them to rough me up a bit and um and so I was like hmm I kind of want to switch this thought process. I'll go see everybody else on how they audition. Because if I go watch other people audition, I'm seeing people who are five years into it, 10 years into it, 15 years into it, as opposed to people that are just trying out for a few months. So I see what, what looks good, what looks great. Because I remember when I got turned down from the auditions that I went out for and things I was potentially going to get, I remember when I didn't get it, I beat myself up so bad. I just thought I'm not handsome enough. I'm not tall enough. I don't have abs. I don't have this. I can't do that monologue. Right. And I learned a lot from it and learned a lot from just sitting there and watching people like, you know, do amazing work. And some people, you know, auditioning wasn't their thing. And, and then seeing it being cast after I was like, why didn't, you know, I remember I asked one time, I was like, why didn't you cast that actress in that? She's like, well, she's amazing, but this is not what we're looking for. We're looking for this, but I'm definitely going to keep her in mind because she's amazing. And I know something's going to fit for her later. So once I got that thought process in my head, I was like, oh, okay, you're looking for this and that. So to help me process the situations better, as opposed to thinking I was worthless. So, and then after that, and then met my mentor, um, who became pretty much um, my family was Mara Studi and she trained me um, for a while. And I remember doing scene work. So she would put me with other actors. I've done it for longer. And I remember I just, that was like the best education I could ever get. And, um, and then met other people who became my family in this community of Santa Fe artists, jewelers, painters or whatever. And they really nurtured me and took care of me. And, you know, that's, that's my family now. 
And then right around that time, I met you at IAIA. And um, um, I remember I met you and you were selling cigarettes outside the dorm room one at a time. You sold <laughs> cigarettes one at a time. And you showed, <laughs> <just kidding. laughs> and you show, and you sold like separate cans of Red Bull. You never got a full pack of Red Bull, just one can of Red Bull. And now you're doing really well for yourself. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I remember, uh, I, I remember playing stickball with you, which you were pretty good at, and like lacrosse. And I remember you guys playing basketball and you guys trying to recruit me, but I hate, I, I hate I didn't like playing basketball at all. So yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. It's okay. We sucked. <laughs> <laughs> you guys talked a big game. You're like, yo, we're going to go to, we're going to go to Oklahoma. We're going to go over here. We're just going to, we're just going to tear it up. I was like, you know, there's six of you, right? Yeah. But we're just going to tear it up. No, we went to uh, Montana. <laughs> yeah. He was to AHEG, that AHEG tournament. Yeah, there's six of us, and yeah, it was it was bad, dude. Yeah, <laughs> it was the funniest thing was we won uh, the sportsmanship award. Lost, <laughs> lost every game, right? Got killed every game, but we won the sportsmanship <clears throat> award. <laughs> that's that's like winning a participation medal. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, but we we were proud. We brought that home to I. <laughs> yeah, as if I didn't need more of the participation medals. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love you. I, I. Um, oh, but yeah, I, I, um, I met you there and I remember, oh my God, you remember this? The, uh, the midnight breakfasts on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Oh, those are, those are, those are good. It's so funny because you could tell who was studying and who wasn't studying and who was at like partying and they would come back and like get food at midnight. Yeah. That's pretty funny. I'm not saying I did not do that or whatever, but you know, yeah, we've talked about midnight breakfast like numerous times on here, but it was it was so oh, really? cool. Yeah, because well, the thing that was cool about it was I was like such a small community. Like, what was there like three hundred students there when we were yeah, there? Yeah, three hundred. About about three hundred. So yeah. yeah, and it was so cool that RJ, you know, took the time to take care of everybody. You know, at yeah. least try to as well, and because. We were, I was talking about with Sadie, Charles, and George, and we were talking about how, you know, a lot of us didn't really have, like, money. Like, none of us were, like, fucking rich or anything. And we didn't have, like, the money to get to either. It was either gas or food. And yeah. so what are you going to what are you gonna do? Like, and usually, like, you're fucking hungry or you miss dinner or something. And yeah. it was cool yeah. that RJ took that time. I don't know if he got money from funding or if he did it out of his own pocket. But he took the time to like make midnight <clears throat> to feed yeah. everybody. No, that was that was um, that was lovely because I know that. Um, yeah, and I yeah I noticed something when I was there because a lot of kids they're like late teenagers or, or, or you know early twenties or whatever. But like, um, that was a pretty fantastic thing because a lot of them are you know homesick or a lot of them are never were never put out of the you know left the reservation or anything like that so being in that little tight community i think it was really important for everybody to like have some sort of like some sense of home mm-hmm. i've been a home cooked meal but um but yeah i remember i remember that little 
they turn it they turn into a gym now, which I'm super pissed off about. That little cafeteria we used to go in in the corner. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I remember the first week. I remember the first week I went there, and they had chefs on call, and I was like, man, this is breakfast was fire and then you get to lunch it's like oh shit that was amazing then dinner comes like damn and then other students from previous years like yeah bro this is only gonna last a week (laughs) (laughs) yeah and the ongoing joke was because there's a prison out there i'm i'm not really painting a great picture for this but um, i remember that i forgot about yeah because yeah because there's a prison out there and then they would some of them were be so cruel to like the chefs or whatever like hey did you you dropped off food there before you came here or whatever. And they would just clown on that. That was pretty funny. But yeah. Damn. Then, <laughs> yeah. What? That's really, yeah. They would say that like, oh, you, you bought their food before you bought our food or whatever. And I was like, God, you guys are horrible. It's really bad. Um, yeah. But then I remember when they moved into the new facility, that was, that was pretty cool. That was nice. Yeah. Oh, the new uh, Klee or something. Is that what it's called? The oh, new the cafeteria. name. Did they name it? Yeah, I think it's like called the Clee Center, right? Or is that the dorm? I, don't, I forget. This is something. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, they built a. They, have you been there lately? No, I haven't. Um, I know that, like, when I left, they built the digital dome, um, which I was super upset about because we, they, you know, put a bunch of cool shit there when we leave. So <laughs> I haven't been mm-hmm. there. Um, I know they put a gym there. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, yeah. Um, but back to that school, that school was just, I remember the first year I went there, um, I, they had an acting class there and they're bringing about performing arts because it was pretty big at one point. And, uh, I, um, I studied under Gary Farmer. He was my first like acting teacher there. And, uh, that was, a, that was a pretty interesting and wild ride just to seeing how, um, just because like I remember watching him when I was a kid and being able to train with him was just like it was it was so it was it was amazing but it was just like I got a really good look in just how certain people train or certain styles and everybody's different and um so that was a cool thing to experience with him and then after that I remember um um I I auditioned to do understudy and start taking classes from some people at Juilliard and Carnegie Hall. They had like a program um, that they built together at one point. And I remember getting in and doing that and working with them was so, so cool. It was just pretty, it was just studying under those two hubs for as long as I did. Um, was pretty, was pretty awesome because like I grew up, just hearing about these names or just hearing about these institutes or whatever and being able to actually go to them and like study with them was just, yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty cool. Um, um, and I remember I was about to go to Juilliard at one point and I just saw the price tag and I'm like, Nope, we're good. We don't need to do that. Yeah. So I, that was, that was not discouraging, but I just like, I wanted to do more film. And so I, I went to New York for a while, I lived in Brooklyn, Williamsburg, before it looked really nice as it does now. And then I came back um, and yeah, and studied with um, my mom Mara for a bit. And then I um, tried to go back to school for a hot second and that kind of sort of didn't work out. And I 
I met someone and fell in love and I thought this was going to be a grand thing. And then I left and I didn't get back into IA. So um, but I remember just before I left, I studied with Raul Trujillo and he's the one I mentioned earlier. He's on Mayans and I um, and uh, um, Apocalypto. He did. Um, but it was just it was that was that was really cool because I learned more about how to control my entire body and doing scenes and everything like that. And just, it, it, it was nice because I was learning how to, it's like, um, it's almost like boxing. It's like learning a new move or something like that, or how to move around and um, training with different people, which is great. Um, so this brings me up to like when I was like, I don't know, 22 or something like that. And then I left school and um, got into a relationship. And then I just, I got really, I was a little depressed and I, um, I got that I, I kind of just, um, I got really disappointed because like all this training I was doing and no auditions were coming up or nothing was happening because there was like a season for cowboys and Indians where they would only like make a film with, you know, the, the criteria at that time was like, can you ride a horse? Okay. You have long hair? Okay. You're in. You're, yeah, we'll just put you in the background. So hearing that from auditions, it was just like, it was really, it was really disappointing. And I fell out of love with acting because I felt like that was all that was there. And then at the time, while I was at IA, I would make my own short films and everything like that and put them into like competitions there or whatever. Um, but yeah, I just fell out of love with it and just <clears throat> got into this mindset where I need a normal job. I'm just going to go and start a family and start doing this because I don't feel like this is really going anywhere. And um, I stopped really like, um, you know, did that relationship and that ended. And, but I was just at that time, I was just like really, I was really, really down on myself. And I just felt like I didn't amount to anything. And I lost my passion. And, and then at one point I started getting better and, um, um, and I started picking up photography and I'll never forget this. I remember when I was by myself and I was no longer in the relationship or whatever. And I remember, um, just like picking up the camera, um, um, because the job I had at the time, I was interviewing artists for a museum. And I remember that our boss came up to me because he had fired the photographer that I was working with. He's like, hey, Rob, um, do, you, um, do you know anybody that is a photographer? Do you know anybody can do photography? And I was like, he's like, the reason why I'm asking because we had to let go of so-and-so and you still have your job, but if we, you need a photographer. And I was like, okay, cool. And, it, and I knew how much he was getting paid. He was getting paid way more than I was. <laughs> He's like, do you know anybody that does photography? I was like, I know how to do photography. I got you, which is bullshit. I don't know how to do photography. So he's like, all right. He was like, how much do you need for your um, your setup or whatever? I was like, uh, um, and I was look, I was a nerd for like YouTube and watching tutorials about photography and everything like that. So I was like, uh, uh, Canon uh, 60. That's what I need with a uh, 24 to 105. And pretty much I was just like shouting off things I saw on YouTube. He's like, all right, okay, here's the money. And like, go get it and come back to work. I was like, oh, 
And I remember he's like, feel free to take the camera home, like run the camera or whatever. And so I did that. And um, I just started taking pictures and then going to powwows and taking pictures. And my mentors at the time were like, you should, you should, our family, like you should, you should really look into this because you're pretty good. And I was like, I don't know, I'm not, not really, you know, um, I don't really feel like I'm that good. And then um, the person I was with at the time, or prior to that, she was encouraging me to do it. And I was like, you know, I started getting out of my phase that I was really down and with all that support. I, you know, I started doing it more and I entered a competition and I got first place with photography. And then after that, I did another thing and then I got a, a scholarship for, you know, photography and movement images. And I started getting better at it. And then I remember the first time I did like Indian market or anything like that, I went to go, um, um, went to go um, pick up my prints for the first time. And I, um, um, and I was super excited and it was about a month out and they kept pushing the date back for me to pick up prints. I was like, all right, whatever. And I kept going to work. And then with my, um, with my scholarship or the grant I got, the people that gave it to me, they told my um, boss, who's pretty much my mentor, I was like, Rob should, you think Rob should go to school? We think Rob should go to school and take this money and go to school for photography. And he's like, no, I don't think that's a great idea. I think he's, he's gonna unlearn everything he knows. And, and then I remember him telling that to them and that really changing like my, really like getting into my head like oh I can do this I don't have to really go to school for this as long as I'm passionate about it I can keep going and doing this and then I was like wait I could have done that with acting what am I doing like and so I finally get my print I take it home and then it's in black and white and <laughs> and I look at all my pieces and they're in black and white and I call the place and I'm like hey what's going on? There's no color in this. And like, kid, you can't afford color. We, there you go. And um, I was like, but I paid you guys for this. And I was like, no, you get a, you know, they're, you know, pulling my fucking bag at the time. And I didn't know this, but they're going out of business and they ran out of color because of that or whatever. And so I remember having like 25 prints in front of me. And I was just like, I'm gonna look like an idiot. This is stupid. I don't think I should do this. Um, and then I just had all these uh, um, paint markers and, and uh, you know, things around me and like, you know, spray paint or whatever. And um, the people that I was around at the time, you know, were very encouraging saying you should, you should, um, you should, you know, make it work. And I was like, and then I just started coloring the pieces and painting the pieces and they came out like the one you saw behind me. And I was like, all right, let's, let's try this out. Let's put this in there. And uh, it worked out pretty well. <laughs> I got first place. And, and then I went to other, you know, art shows and I did really good at sales and I didn't place. And some of them, I, um, you know, they didn't work out at all, but I showed up and I did it. And I was just like, it was a really good introduction for um, becoming an artist and everything like that. So, and then I did that for a while. And then right when I was going to be, when I built myself up and I, I like started feeling good about myself and like, I'm gonna, I think I should get back into acting. I think I should, I think I should really do this. And right around this time, I was about like, um, I was about 24, 25, 25, 25 going to 26. 
And I was like, I killed it at all these art shows. I'm going to give myself a present. So I was like, I want a tattoo. And I had a tattoo a long time ago. I had a stick and poke right here on my hand. Um, listeners, I know you can't even see what we're doing right now, but I was there and I got it removed when I was a kid. But it was a, it was a gang symbol for one family I loved. It was pretty, it was pretty fucked up. Anyways, so I was like, I want to get a tattoo. And I made this pact with my little sister a long time ago when we went back to the um, Saboba Reservation. And I'm from one of the clans I'm from is the Owl Clan. And I'm half Navajo and to owls, you know, they're taboo to Navajos and they're taboo to a lot of tribes. I don't know if you guys have that same thing or whatever. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so um, I was like, I really want an owl. And, uh, and uh, this is the one I got right there. And um, so I was like, I really want this. So I go somewhere and I get it done. And then um, it gave me poisoning. and within three days um my body started breaking down and everything i don't know if you ever saw a picture of that but yeah and i ended up in the hospital and on my sixth day at the hospital they're trying to figure out what what happened what happened to me or what went wrong um but i remember on the sixth day i was complaining because of uh pain and i um they gave me morphine and i remember going out for a little bit and then I woke up again and I didn't know this, but they switched out nurses that were taking care of me. And I was complaining because of pain again. And my body was pretty much paralyzed and I couldn't feel anything because pretty much what happened, like they're putting everything inside me and they started like, like clogging up my, my blood and I couldn't like really move. Um, and I woke up the second time complaining of pain. And then the nurse at the time gave me uh, a, yeah. Oh shit. Yeah, it looked really bad. Whoa. Yeah. Yep. Damn. Um, so um pretty much my lips were swollen, they're black, my nose is black, my ears, my toes, everything started turning black, and I started getting lesions all over my face and started losing hair and everything. And then the second time she gave me morphine, my heart stopped for a bit. And then got you know, they did the thing. And I woke up and I remember waking up feeling really pissed off (laughs) because when that happened, I remember crying and I remember, I remember brief moments of people coming into my room and talking to me, but I was out and, um, or, um, um, and I remember before everything happened, I was feeling so much feeling so much regret that my dogs are waiting for me when I get home. They're not, you know, I'm not there or my friends are waiting for me or I haven't done this project or that project. And like I said, I was getting ready to act. So this project's coming up and like, I can't do it or whatever. And then once I finally accepted that and I woke up, I, like I showed you a picture, um, listeners can't see it, but I look like, you know, <laughs> look pretty bad. So I woke up the next day looking like that. And I was like, my acting career is over. It's done. I'm not going to do this again. And my hands, I had temporary arthritis for like two months after that, because when I woke up, my hands were just like bunched up. And I was like, I won't be able to take pictures again or whatever. I just like, I was, it was, it was pretty bad. And I was incredibly depressed for like, I don't know, a month and a half. And just 
you know. And then started slowly getting a tad bit better here and there. And then an artist, a good friend of mine, I don't know if you know the guy, his name's Alan Hauser, but he has a few, he was one of the major scholars. If, you, if you're, you know, if you're wondering who that is, you should, you should look him up because he's Apache, but he's like one of the most famous native artists and he does sculpting. And, um, and he has a few sons that took on his legacy, but one, his name is uh, um, Bob Houses, and I made friends with him. And he wanted to do a show with me. And usually he doesn't do shows with people. And I, um, I got my shit together after a while. And I, um, you know, um, I, you know, tried my best to like get my shit together and like start moving around. And also my family and my community here really, really helped me out a lot and shout out to them. And you guys know who you are. Um, and I, um, got ready for a show and I started, I was like, I'm going to make these pieces bigger. And so I made them bigger and got ready for the show. I got ready for like an hour before everyone was about to get there, you know, typical Indian time. And it was great. And um, people from Japan and Bristol and the UK and Shanghai and everyone came to see the show. And then um, uh, a museum in Shanghai offered, you know, to have me over there to do, you know, to do to teach over there and to like do an exhibition and they told me about it and I was just like oh this is sure this just sounds wonderful because I didn't really you really believe them at all and um like no we we want you to come like be ready in six months I was like okay cool be ready in six months and um they were going back to China a few days later after I met them and I was like all right um here's what I'll do I'll because I always wanted to start going to therapy, you know, at that point in time, and I was like 26. And um, I, um, and uh, I was like, all right, I'm going to therapy, get my mind right, get my body really healthy, and like get start moving around, and I'll start learning Mandarin, and I'll start learning my way of the the land over there. And they called me a week later, like, can you come in two and a half weeks? Um, we showed your work to this museum and that museum, and they want you here a bit sooner, and we're gonna put you up and like put more funds to you coming over here. And I was like, sure, great. Best, worst decision I ever made. <laughs> because I I was so excited. And one thing I think I mentioned earlier, like I love like Jackie Chan's movies and I love Hong Kong cinema. So being able to go and see those studios, I was so excited about. And um, um, I was like, sure. And I left and the reason why I probably left was probably at the time was I wanted to get away in a sense. And there was a lot of people talking in my head at the time, telling me what to do, telling me what I should do with my work, telling me how I should live my life and telling me who I should date, who I should, you know, this and that. So I think that was one thing that I wanted to get away from. And um, another thing at the time was like, I was getting more popular as an artist. So, people from my past were coming in and wanting something like biological relatives like saying oh I saw your piece here there and like do you want to go hang out and it really hurt because some of these people were supposed to take care of me when I was a kid so that messed me up because you only want me because I'm successful now you didn't want me when I was a kid so um um yeah and my pups at the time were in good hands with Max who 
um, who was lovely and her and her now husband took care of them when I left. So I was like, all right, I don't have anything to block my mind. I could just, I'll just go. So I left. And somebody, like, I should have, you know, thought about this a bit more, but I didn't want to pass up an opportunity. I get there. It's really awesome. I get a big studio and they show me where I'm going to show my work and where I'm going to teach and everything. I was like, this is amazing. And I remember on my second day, I was like really, really putting my mind in learn Mandarin or other forms of language I have there. And I remember the first day when I try to like talk to somebody or interact with anybody. And I was told when I go there, if you turn anything down, it's, it's rude. And prior to this, like eight months before I kind of stopped smoking cigarettes. And I remember when I got to the doorman and he opens a pack of cigarettes and like, Oh no, you didn't. No. And another one like offers a light and I was like, yeah, and take it and just, and I was like, oh, this isn't, this isn't bad. And I remember the first week I was there, I, um, I was like, I, I, need, I need to start making friends because our friends that speak English or whatever. And I remember I, I'm, I'm really bad at like my serving size or like small, medium, large. I don't know why I never got that correct. But how I made friends the first night was um, I went to this noodle restaurant by the museum and I oh, go and I get chicken, noodles and rice, and then I get a beer. And I'm like, that was, and the, the little woman like was looking at me. I thought she was like amazed that I was speaking, you know, their language. And they love Native Americans. So I would drop Indianos in there and they would be like, oh, you're this is awesome. So, <laughs> and so I did that. And I remember sitting at my table and, uh, and this other group comes in like with people my age and they sit there and I'm looking at them and, you know, try to play it cool and sitting there by myself drinking a beer and these three women bring out these big plates. <laughs> one's chicken and one's noodles and one's rice. And I'm like, oh no, I, I really fucked this up. Yep, this happened. And then they're giggling at me. I'm like, I was like, yeah, it's my second day at this. Like, I've, and, and a couple of them spoke English. And like, do you have any more friends coming? I'm like, I'm not gonna lie to you. Nope, it's just me. I try. <laughs> So I remember inviting them over in that time, and my friends there, and um, so that was cool. And then I mean, being there was it was a lot of fun, but it came to a point where psychologically, I I didn't know I was doing this, but I went from one isolation to another. I went from like recovering in my apartment with my dogs, not talking to anybody, and then being around people than going to one ice, another isolation in another country because one, the number system's different, the letter system's different. They have a Google ban there and a Facebook ban and Instagram ban at the time. And there was no like connection with back home. And the radio, everything is in a different language. You go to certain parts of the country, everything's different. And um, I remember the first time I heard somebody speak English that I got so excited about and I went to the cinema like five times to watch this movie. And it was uh, Ghost Protocol and then one of the um, Mission Impossible movies. And they were speaking English the whole time. And I was just, it was just so nice hearing that, you know, hearing someone like you could understand it. So that was pretty cool. And I remember I met an expat there and he's like, hey, buddy, we're going to be, um, this is also in the first week I was there. Hey, we're going to be um, every Thursday night we have a, uh, we have a, uh, we go to this pub down the way and uh, we all have drinks and like 
play, you know, charades or cards or whatever like that. And I was like, that's stupid. Like, I'm going to live my best life here, buddy. I'm fine. I don't need to go and hang out with you guys because you're, you know, bored on a Thursday night. After two weeks, I went there every Thursday night. I would get there early and it was just so nice hearing. And people were from like Australia and Britain and everywhere just like because they had families there. And like, it was just nice to have a conversation with somebody. And that was pretty cool. Um, but moving on to the shows, it was, it was, it was lovely and it was a little heartbreaking because some places I went, the only, the only, the only, the only picture that they have in their minds of Native Americans or Indigenous people or First Nations or whatever you identify with, the only picture they have of it is through cowboys and Indian movies. That's their only reference with some so introducing them how we look now and how because i showed them the photographs of dancers and like some dancers like of you know really you know did videos of it just was like it 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 was like i was showing them narnia for the first time and and in some places it was really cool because they're way more educated about what actually happened in the states to natives and to um the black communities and our hispanic communities they have more information about what's going on here and you know so which i thought was pretty was pretty um was pretty interesting that they knew more history than probably more americans know here but it was awesome showing them how we look now um which is which is pretty cool and i remember um i had students there that i taught for photography and i remember i was teaching them one week we we're focusing how to do portraits and i was showing them portraits of you know other people that i've done with in different tribes here and i've I did a portrait of this um, um, lovely um, woman that was from the Navajo Nation and um, she had her hair wrapped up and everything and she had all her turquoise on. And um, I took a photograph of her of the portrait and then I showed my students there. And um, this is one of the coolest things that happened when I was there. She's like, she's, she's Chinese. I was like, no, she's not. She's not. She's like, no, yeah, she is. And, they named the province that I'd never been to. She's like, yeah, she's from here. I was like, what are you? And then one of the other teachers, that was a photography teacher, he bolts out of the room and um, bolts out of the room, comes back and he shows me pictures of the people there. I kid you not, this is so wild. They look like older, like native people and they're riding around on horses. They have turquoise, they have cowboy hats on. And I was like, Oh shit! You guys look like you're from Gallup. What's going on here? <laughs> and it was, it was interesting when we, you know, shared certain beliefs or like how we pray or everything like that. But it was pretty much almost similar to what, to what they do. And, um, you know, but I could go on and on about that. But that was really that was lovely. And the rest of my trip there was fantastic. And just doing shows and did shows in Shanghai and made some really interesting friends. Um, made friends with the Shanghai mafia there who have a few of my pieces, which is pretty cool um, and got to go. And that place was really healing. Cause like I got to go see spots where they shot Jackie Chan movies or whatever. And seeing that was like, it turned on another, you know, switch in my mind that like manifesting things is a real thing. Like I remember wanting to go to these places when I was a kid. I remember wanting to go, where they shot Super Cop or where they like, oh, I'd love to go there. And like, it, it was, it was, it was awesome. Cause like, I'm actually there going there for my artwork and like, going to explore. And then I, um, and that trip, um, 
ended and then came back um, to the States and got reacclimated, started doing art shows again. And I remember when I came back, my agent at the time, it was really heartbreaking. So I come back, I'm healthy, and, you know, my face got better and it looked, you know, yeah, it didn't look as bad as it did before, like I just showed you. Um, so I was like, all right, I'm going to get back into acting. We're going to do this, we're going to knock this out. And I go and check my mailbox and my agent at the time dropped me. Oh, <laughs> because I wasn't available and I told him that I was going to be gone. But that was just, that was like really, that was really hard for me to take. Um, but I was like, it's all right, it's fine. We're going we're gonna to do this. I said, I was going to do this. I want to do this. I want to. And then I got picked up by another agent and then I just started slowly working. And, um, and I did, um, I played a vampire and from dusk till dawn. That was like my first thing that I did when I started getting my feet wet again and everything. And, um, and at the same time I was doing art shows in you know, different parts of the country, like, uh, the herd museum, the auction museum in California, um, started doing that. And then there's a theater company in California. It's at the Gene auction museum. It's called native voices. I had auditioned there a couple of times and remember I didn't get in the first couple of times and I did it again and I got in. Um, but that was really awesome because um, I have a lot of friends that are part of that troupe and my cousin um, and my brother are part of that group. So it was really lovely to be a part of that because it was just, it was a place that's very nurturing toward natives where you can see yourself and it's, um, just the group there, you know, did improv, you know, Shakespeare, you know, one act plays, full act plays, and it was a really good place to get your feet wet and study. Um, um, so I, I really like attribute a lot of things that I've been through from that place that's given me a lot of opportunities. And one thing that was cool about it, so they would do a play festival every year, and they would do it during the Autry, the Gene Autry, like um, art market. So I remember selling artwork. So I go sell artwork at my booth. And they go run to the theater to do a play and then run back and sell artwork and then run back. So it was, it was, um, it was, it was a lot of fun. And, um, and then shortly after that, I wanted to audition more for theater and I mean, for television and film. And then I, um, I, uh, I auditioned for this part and it was a part of Tecumseh and, um, at the time, I didn't know it was for that, but it was for a four-part miniseries. I was executive produced by Leonardo DiCaprio, and I showed it on AMC and the History Channel and everything. Now it's on Amazon, and I think it, I think it's on Hulu or, or Netflix or whatever. And I remember auditioning for it. I went in twice for it, and I had a bit longer hair. Because at the time, I was still, when I was getting back into acting, I was like, oh, I need to have long hair. I need to be able to ride a horse really well. I got those two things covered. <laughs> And once again, like clockwork, I was like, this isn't working. I probably should stop this. And, and you know, um, there's nothing really coming because there's only Cowboys and Indian season coming up or whatever. And um, um, but that's what I enjoyed about Native Voices because we were just playing characters as ourselves. And, um, and then I remember I was on a plane back to Southern Mexico and um, I remember things weren't really going that great. And I remember getting a call from my agent and telling me that I got it, that I got the part. And 
that they really wanted me for the main character. So they switched parts and they, and they got me the main character as Tecumseh. And that I'd be going to New Zealand sooner than later to go film. And I get to New Zealand and it's amazing because as a kid, I nerd, I, at the, at me, I'm just like a huge nerd. So, is that better? Good. Yeah, you're good. All right. So, anyways, I get to New Zealand, and um, I was just in awe because I remember watching Lord of the Rings as a kid, and I, I'm still a huge nerd. But I remember that was another movie that I was hooked on when I was a kid because, like, where they're you know where they were filming, it was just like so magical, and like it just felt like another piece of my dream was coming true and just being there and uh and uh you know meet everybody and just get into it and it was really cool because i got to speak learn how to speak shawnee and i got to do my own fight scenes which is something i've always wanted to do since i started since i was a kid so that was a whole lot of fun um but i got kind of scared at one point because there was a 7.8 earthquake that happened when i was there and a tsunami at the same time right after so i stayed there a little bit longer (laughs) than i was supposed to um but that was pretty that was pretty intense um going through that um but definitely helped me bond with the people i was acting with a bit more um but that place would just like always hold a special part of my heart there um um, and another thing that happened was just like, I remember um, just before I left um, to do that part, and I mentioned earlier about having long hair and everything and having to like look a certain way for certain things or to be considered. And I remember just before they told me I got the part, there was one night I was with my friends, I was like, this whole long hair thing is stupid. I don't like it anymore. And then, you know what? Who got some scissors? Who got some, like, and this is one thing I would do with a lot of my friends. It would be a trust thing. I would let them cut my hair, just meaning that that was a bonding moment. And uh, no, we had no drinks involved in this whole shenanigan thing. So, um, so I remember we got scissors and I cut it. And I cut it, like, just perfectly, like, right here. It wasn't a Lord, Lord Farquaad bob, but it was just, like, right here. I was like, yeah. And um, I remember, I was like, I remember I, I got the part and I got there and one of the producers was like, wasn't your hair, isn't your hair a bit longer? Wasn't it supposed to be longer? I was like, no. I was like, yeah, actually it was, but like, I'm, I was like, I'm pretty method and I really love, you know, just like looking a certain way. And sure enough, if you look at portraits of Tecumseh, his hair is a certain, that length that I had it right there. And mm. I, I was standing next to a picture of him on the board. I'm like, See, I was like, oh, like, wow, you're worth every penny. I'm like, I know, you're super committed to everything. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, um, but that was cool. But I remember the first, my first day on that set was, um, um, so the day before they told me everything was going to be in Shawnee, like, because there was monologues in English that I, you know, locked down and everything like that. And then there was dialogues in Shawnee that I was like, you know had the dialect coach with and wrote everything down and started recording everything and the first day on set i get there and the director and one of the producers come up and like hey rob um we gotta talk to you and i'm sitting there i'm like oh fuck i was like i'm going home 
going home. That's it for this fairy tale. We're done. <laughs> and he's like, I was like, what's what's going on? I was like, what did I, what did I do wrong? Did I, you know, you know? And he's like, no, you, you're good. Just um, we're gonna be, you know, those monologues. I'm like, yeah, the ones you guys switched in Shawnee. And I was like, and I was like, are we gonna film those like in a week or so? And I can have down in a week. He's like, no, actually, we had to film both of your monologues today. And I was like, uh, what? And like, yeah. And they bring in two PAs, and one of them has this big, like, whiteboard, has like. 12 or 15 of them and one has a big sharpie and like these two are going to help you you're going to be with them for about two hours before we're going to shoot and like just just write it phonetically and how you feel like it you know how you how, you know just you know we'll come back and check on you i was like uh okay cool so these monologues written out in shawnee they're about two pages each and um yeah that was that was terrifying and i remember <laughs> So we're writing all the you know note cards and everything like that, and then we um, we're getting ready to do the scene, and there's another character that he had to do the same thing, and we're in enclosed space when he does it, and as he's doing it, I was like, you know what, I'm a glass half full kind of person. I was like, you know what, this is pretty cool because I know Marlon Brando did this, and uh, it worked for him, so it should work for us. <laughs> <clears throat> he places the cards all over the room. He does this scene, and it goes lovely. And like, all right, Rob, you're up. I'm like, all right, cool, let's do this. And so we go outside. And and where we're at at the time is where they filmed um, all the elves in Lord of the Rings. And there's a really beautiful stream coming down. And that, that water there, you can drink out of the stream and it tastes so good. And it was just like, and I walk out of the little hut and they have this man-made fire and all these extras, these Mahdi extras. I'm like, this is so cool. Like, this is, this is, this is awesome. Start walking up. We put the cue cards around the fire. And then right before, like three minutes before I'm about to start, it starts pissing rain and <laughs> blowing everywhere. And I'm standing there and like, um, John is like, you ready, Rob? I'm like, Sure, guys. <laughs> and right when we start, the cue cards just fly away, and they fall in the mud and everything like that. And I'm standing there, it's like, all right, I'm I'm going home tonight. This isn't. Nope, we're gonna. Yep, we're going home tonight. <laughs> and I um, and like, and we're trying to think of things to do, and it's just like, hey, can I um, can you just put like a a mic in my ear? Can we do that? Like, yeah, it sounds like a great idea. I was like, all right, cool. And like, can I have long hair? We can put it over it. And so I go to Video Village and I hand them my cell phone. I'm like, I recorded this last night and you just hit play on this thing. Um, um, God bless the man that he did this. But he looks like he never had an iPhone before in his life. And I don't know what version of iPhone it was, but I was like, just, just hit this button right here on the screen and just leave it alone and you're good. He's like, all right, cool. So, you know, get the jitters out go over there and we start doing the scene and the lines are coming in my ear and I'm like, it's going really well. I feel like a boss ass bitch up there. And I'm like, this is great. And then the camera moves one way and the director's like, Hey, move around the fire. I'll come some move around. The fire. I was like, all right, cool. Got this. So I'm walking around the fire and everyone's hearing what I'm hearing. And I just get this <laughs> in my ear and it's blaring in my ear. And then I make this like, 
sour face or whatever and i start walking back the other way and i start getting more signal i start doing the lines like and the camera moves other way the director's like no rob go back the other way i was like you want to try the other way <laughs> and in my costume with these with this badass axe and a knife around my neck and i'm just over here like which way do you want me to go this way <laughs> and i go the other way and it's like it's working out and then right when i get to a certain point and then it's it's raining more and more and then it just like it just it just knocks out and like I hit a blaring thing in my ear and we stop the scene and we go over there and then they move the whole thing closer and then and in the meantime they're setting up and I'm looking over the lines again just trying to like trying to memorize everything for the love of God and then we um and I go back and I, I told the guy I was like just hit the thing once he's like all right cool I got it the first time I was like, all right cool right, now you got it now you got it I go back. I start the scene. I remember the first part of it because like I was so stressed out that it locked in. And then right in the middle where the things, you know, I go around the fire and the camera moves. And then um and then there's no sound in my ear and it stops. And right when the camera's going and I and I go to the sound guy, I was like pointing at my ear and I was, you know, putting my hands up like, hey, what's what's going on? And then right when the camera turns back he drops my iPhone in the mud. And then he starts hitting the buttons, trying to turn it on, but it's going to different scenes that are pre-recorded just to help me train my voice or whatever, my accent. He's going to different scenes and I'm just like, oh no. And the director hears this and he, the director puts the camera the other way. Prior to getting to set, I was listening to the Jackson 5. ABC because that was getting me hyped that morning <laughs> and when the camera comes back he's messing then he starts playing ABC um the Jackson 5 and everybody can hear it in their earpieces and the camera comes back to me and it's just like ABC and I just like I've never sweated in one spot in my whole entire life and I was just like, oh my god this is really embarrassing and yeah, and then we took a break for 30 minutes and I just drilled that whole thing in my brain. And then we did this scene again and they were playing the lines and I was like, all right, screw it. I got all of it and I took it out and did the scene, killed it. And we did the next scene and that went out. That was really good. So yeah, it was, no. <laughs> yeah. Wow. But, yeah. yeah, so that was, that was fun. Lesson learned, but also like, I, 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 yeah, because I was just like, yeah, but which that's our theater training helps you out with like remembering big pieces of dialogue like that, but it was terrifying, but I learned a lot from them. So that was lovely and learned not to do my own stunts because I fucked up my shoulder pretty hard on that thing because I don't know if you've ever seen it, but like I do a lot of axe fighting and like, uh, you know, because they trained me with the axe and knife and like certain certain moves i know boxing and kickboxing but they went more in depth with his fighting style or whatever and um um i remember this one time um it was funny because all my castmates we all had like big stunts like someone had to jump off a cliff someone had to like hop off a horse and tackle somebody and we were all really getting hyped up for like the days we we're gonna do this and we kept shooting and shooting and shooting and nothing was coming up and um on the second two two the second last days like hey guys you guys ready for your stunts? And I was like, huh, are you doing this at the end because you don't want us to get hurt in the beginning? So you don't <laughs> so, so anyways, I was stoked about mine because I'm 
if you watch the series, it's one of the first scenes I have up to where we're staking out um, a, a group of soldiers that are about to invade a camp. And then, you know, we have the, you know, we catch them and, you know, we fire guns and my character doesn't have any more bullets. So he drops the gun and bolts off after him and jumps on him and tackles him and kills him with his ax. How we rehearsed this was, I was supposed to run after him on flat land and we designed it to where the crash pads were gonna hit. Because for me in my, um, my costume, I had cut off arms and I didn't have a spine protector or anything like that. Cause it was mostly showing, you know, it was showing the goods, you know, giving people what they want. <laughs> <laughs> and then all the other stuntmen, they had elbow pads on and spine protectors and chest plate on. And the guy that I was working with, lovely gentleman, um, he's like about 5'11 and I'm 6'1. So all the main stunts that we were doing, like there was one I had to throw him over or whatever. So like, just to like, um, just our, you know, how we stand up, how we stand toe to toe to each other. I know where to stand, how to throw this punch, that punch to where it's safe and everything like that. So, but on the last day, he got hurt like a day before. And so like, hey, um, we're going to be on this last fight scene where I'm supposed to tackle him and we're supposed to go down. Like he got injured. He broke his elbow. I'm like, how the hell can you break your elbow? And he's like, it's okay. We have another stunt guy to come in. I was like, all right, cool. Where's he at? He's like, all right, he's, he's outside your trailer. You want to meet him? I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll meet him. And <laughs> they get this six, four and a half retired Israeli bodyguard that he's one of the stunt guys. He walks in, he's like, hey, bud, how's it going to come, sir, be doing the scene? I'm like, how the fuck am I supposed to do? Because <laughs> I'm supposed to tackle him. He's six, four and a half, I'm six, one. I don't know if you can, <laughs> it's just like, no, it's, this is, this is, I, and I got so nervous because like everything looked good till now, like, I know I'll probably look like a badass doing this, but like, I, I got to jump a little bit higher. I was like, whatever, we got this, we can do this. And we get ready and I stay in my trailer for a while. And like, everybody goes up and I'm getting anxious. I was like, I really want to do this. And then we're on this, it was really gorgeous spot in uh, New Zealand. But as you go up higher, it just gets more colder at the top, but the area is really gorgeous. And I get in the van we start going up and I'm like, is it winter up here? Cause it was, it was summer down there, but like it's getting colder up here. And we get there and in the scene, like this is this is the patch of grass we found. I'm like, this is it. It was this straight down inclined. Have you ever walked on grass where you it's like so steep that you walking down and sweating's falling your ass? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that situation. Oh. So we and they have the camera down at the bottom and they're like, Yeah, Rob, um, just go for it. Like, and the director's like, so we're going to do a practice run and the, the stuntmen are like, no, it's, they're going to take care of you. I'm like, I'm looking all the way down. I'm just like, Oh God. And I have my cutoff shirt and everybody has like a little bit more layers on. And there's like a hundred people there. I'm like, shit, I just gotta, I just gotta do this. Cause I don't want anybody to sit in the cold that long. So I go and we do the scene and I kind of, I, I don't run as fast as I should. And I go and tackle him. And then we both, he hits the crash pad. I missed the crash pad. And they're like, you know what? If it's cool with, cool with both of you, we're just going to take the crash pads out because it's getting in the shot. <laughs> and I told this stunt guy, I was like, what am I, how am I supposed to do this? He's like, oh, all right, bro. Because that's how they say, um, I said, bro, what you're going to do is when you jump on him, you 
make sure you're, you hold him to where he's on the bottom of it and you're going to slide down the hill with him, but he's going to be on his back because he has a crash pad. And I was like, how is this gorilla math going to work again? <laughs> like I'm running at him full speed. And I was like, he was like, all right, just do that. And the stuntman's like, yeah, we'll do that. I'm like, oh, fuck. I was like, this, this, this doesn't work out in my brain. And I was like, all right, we'll just get it done. And I was thinking about, you know, eight-year-old Rob and what eight-year-old Rob would do. And eight-year-old Rob is like, I'm going to go for this. So action, I run up, I throw my gun down and it's like really foggy and looks really cinematic. And I jump on the guy. And right when I jump on him and we're falling through the air and I'm trying to shift his body, but it's not going the way it should be. It's going my way. And I slam my shoulder and all of 260 pounds of this guy falls on top of me and we roll down and we're rolling pretty fast. And then we slam into the camera and we broke one of the lenses. And I'm just like, and I had so much adrenaline in me and like, it was like really cold or whatever. It's like, all right, Rob, guy, it was great. Let's do it again. And I was like, but, but your camera, it's fine. We got extras. <laughs> Go grab an extra one to come back. And they're like, and they're like, just don't fall, just don't go straight down that fast. I'm like, oh my God, this is, I was getting so nervous. And then and I was like, all right, we'll do it again. And I was like, and he's like, is your shoulder okay? I'm like, yeah, it's fine. It should be good. And I was like, we'll just make sure not to do that. I was like, all right, cool. So we go run as fast as I can and jump on him. And same thing happens and slam my shoulder again. We roll down to the bottom but we had this really cool moment where we stop in front of the camera and then I'm supposed to well at him a couple of times and like, all right, that's great. And as I get up, my shoulder feels like really, really numb. And then he's like, we're going to do it again, but we're going to do it like halfway. And I was like, all right, cool. So we did, <laughs> we go down halfway and the fight scene, I'm on top of him and like I punch him once and then I supposed to bring out my ax. And then while I'm placing my arm down, my left arm to go in for a punch, my left shoulder just gives out and it slips on the grass and I lean in for a real one and it connects and I, and I, and he's not stopping cause he's still doing the movement and I don't see anybody saying anything. So I'm like, all right, do it. And they actually keep it in the, in the show. And then the next day later, homeboy comes in. He's like, Hey, great scene yesterday Rob great scene it was lovely and I look back at him and he just has half of a raccoon eye and I was like oh my god did oh. I do that he's like he's like yeah don't worry about it he's like this is what we do it for I'm like are you just saying that and then if I take you for a drink you're just gonna return the favor he's like no it's it's great and I was just like and I remember on break I had I this is one of those bougie things I did I had one of the assistants go grab me a, a bottle of whiskey and I gave it to him as a sorry gift so yeah that's so yeah <laughs> so anyways that was new zealand and aside from the um going through the earthquake that was that was pretty gnarly because that was a 7.8 earthquake and i remember um um i remember that night um me and one of my castmates had um the night off and we were like close to wellington we were a town over we we're in petoni and we were right by the ocean and the ocean's like a block away and i was on the top floor we're hanging out. We had some drinks and hung out, and then, um, um, in this, uh, um, in the series, the come so there's a scene. There's a scene in like history, or whatever that they reenact. Is that 
when he was trying to get all the tribes together, he slammed his foot on the ground to create a signal for everybody. And in history, there was like, when he did that at the same time, they don't know if it's, you know, related to that, but one of the biggest earthquakes happened at that time. And, um, me and my buddy and my character were talking about that and the history of it. Like, that's really amazing how that, like, you know, that's, I believed it. And like, he mm-hmm. believed it too, but some people were like, that's crazy how that you know, happened. Or it's probably just a coincidence. I'm like, yeah, I know. So sitting there and in my, my place I was at, I was lying on my bed and I could just feel like a circular motion or something happened. I was like, that's, what the hell? I was like, I didn't do any drugs tonight. Did I? Nope. You don't do drugs. We're fine. All right. Go back to sleep, and it sounds like a truck hit the side of the apartment, like hotel place for that. And I freaked out, threw all my contacts, went outside, and then it was really quiet. And then, and then I hear a shake, but then I look down the road, and the road just like kind of like goes like this little like wave form. And then it hits the part of downtown that we're at, and there's like these windows shattering. And I was like, oh shit, this is. This is like, you know, a big one. I go inside, wake up my castmates, and that night was just a trip. <laughs> wow. and, and I think they had like 780 aftershocks that night. And then when they told us to go inside and chill out and like wait for more information, uh, my friend's wife is on the other part of the island because we were on the South Island. She's on the North Island. And she said, and they were getting news faster than we were. And they said, like, a, a tsunami's coming. And I was like, and I was like, I was like, oh, that's weird. I was like, that would suck if a tsunami came. And I was really stressed out. And we had a bottle of vodka that we were sharing. I go out on the balcony and I go light a cigarette because I just don't know what the hell to do just to calm myself. And this is the trippiest thing I've ever been in a situation I've ever been in. Like I've been in like around tornadoes or tsunami or uh, tsunamis or whatever, but nothing like this where there's so many birds in New Zealand. By the time when this was happening, you couldn't hear any birds whatsoever and not even seagulls. And it was so quiet. And this was a super moon when it happened. And this is right around when Trump got elected. So I just felt like the world was coming to an end. So during the super moon, you know, like the moon turns everything blue. Mm-hmm. So I look out to the ocean and I see like dark gray sand. I was like, all right. And then I see the ocean is like pure black. And in the middle, I was like, what's that middle part? Like, it's like really shimmering. And my buddy, his name's Andrew, he came out. He plays the villain in the show. And he came out. And, um, and I was like, what's that glistening in the middle? It's getting bigger and bigger because the gap was opening up. And I was like, he's like, are those, like, those are jellyfishes out there. So when the water was going back into the ocean, the jellyfishes didn't have anywhere to go. So they stuck to the bottom of the um, bottom of the ocean they couldn't go back so they're like freaking out because they didn't have any water so and he's like yeah my wife said a tsunami's coming i was like okay what does that sound like he's and he was describing it to me like well when there's buoys in the water that in the ocean that go low that's when a, an alarm goes off i was like i was like okay that's good to know and right when he's talking about this the tsunami alarm goes off and oh god and I, we, we look at each other. I was like, I'll meet you downstairs. He's like, right, I'll meet you there. I grabbed my bag and I remember I had two phones. I had an American phone and then I had a New Zealand phone. And I remember, <laughs> I remember my aunt, she's an artist as well. It's lovely. I remember calling her and I'm like, 
I think this is the last time I ever could talk to you. I love you so much. And like, I'm running out of battery, but like, um, I, I just call production at this number and like, just check on me in a few hours. I love you. Bye. And I hung up. And then I remember the next person I called my um, girlfriend at the time. And it was funny because she didn't pick up the phone. <laughs> she put it to silent when I called. That's how that relationship turned out. And put it to silent. And I was like, oh. And I was just being really kind at the time. She's probably busy. And I was like, who else should I call? <laughs> and then I called my agent. And I talked to my agent on the phone. I'm like, I was like, hey. I was like, I really appreciate you so much getting me this job. I don't know if I'm going to talk to you again. It's like, what's going on? There's a, there's a, there's a, I said, there's an earthquake that just happened. She says, there's an earthquake that just happened. I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, and a tsunami is coming. And she's like, or a tsunami? I'm like, yeah. And then the phone dies on me. Oh, and, oh shit. And then I was like, oh, fuck. And then I was like, all right, they know where I'm at. And then I rushed downstairs. And then um, a couple of my castmates are there and they're, they're by the garage. We're trying to figure out what to do. And some of them, everyone hops in cars and goes up the mountain. And then I go downstairs, my buddy, Andrew, that I was with, I couldn't find him. And I looked all over and I go back into the, the place. And then it was like three floors. And I can't find him. I was like, fuck. I was like, he probably, he probably left. He didn't go to worry about him. And then it was a family that I got to know that was staying at that place. And they were French. And I would, you know, speak French with them every once in a while. And they're, yelling at me in French to get in the car, get in the car. So you're right, hop in the car and we go up the mountain and I look at the other mountain, there's a trail of cars going up the other way. And I look into the ocean, you can see it shimmering, more jellyfishes like out there that are dying. I get up there and we wait. And the whole land is covered in blue, like the moonlight. And you can see people on top of their houses. You can see people gathering on like the tips of bridges so the water goes in there. And then after two hours, um, after like 30 minutes, the alarm goes off and then they say everybody can go back and it should be fine. And so I go back and then I remember being there and I was just like so scared to go to sleep. And, and I found out my buddy, he went to the, onto the roof <laughs> to pass the time and he came back down. And I remember um, we were just sharing a bottle of vodka and I was trying to go to sleep. And I was like, you know, I, if that earthquake comes again, and I just built this little fort under this metal table in my room <laughs> and I tried to go to sleep under it. And I was just lying in there. I was like, man, I was recharging my phone. And then um, um, and, uh, I was like, you know what? I'm not going out like a bitch. I'm going out Titanic style. I'm going to sleep in that bed. If this should take me, it'll take me. I just passed out in the bed. <laughs> you know, I wanted to go out like that too. Old couple that's in that bunk bed in Titanic where they just like hug each other in the water. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's how I envisioned going out. <laughs> so, and um, so wake up, nothing happens. And tragically, the, the tsunami actually hit the other end. So I was pretty, um, yeah. And then stayed a little bit longer and finished the series and came home. So yeah, that was that was the New Zealand part. Um, yeah, I know, right? And then came back, and then just um, started doing um, more artwork and everything. And then I um, and then um, acting jobs were slowly coming in, but they weren't like too big. And um, at that point, I was like, no, like twenty eight or something, like twenty nine or whatever. Um, 
And then I started looking more and more to like mental health and working on myself with that because um, one thing I realized is that like, you know, um, is that there's a lot of things that, that I'm traumatized by, like with that whole event with, you know, being isolated in China and going through stuff and going through what I went through there. And I was like, man, I, I'm taking myself, taking care of myself physically, but like mentally at that time, it was just a lot of things going on and I was getting a bit more popular and everything like, and I was trying to deal with that and started just like working on myself more because I knew that that was going to make me a, a better artist and a better human moving forward. Um, and in the meantime, I, I made another film, but when I was making that film, we completed it and everything like that it was about the missing and murdered indigenous women. Um, um, did that, that worked out lovely. And then after that, when we did that, I started like, I was working on myself more because like on that project, I took on too many hats and I wanted to like, and I was beating myself up because I didn't feel like I did justice to any of them or whatever. I was like overworking myself and wanted to get a better handle on things. And um, just to help me like, you know, move forward more because another thing I was thinking about is like, if I'm going to be acting more, I'm going to be in a lot of places where I'm alone and where I don't know anybody or whatever. I'm good at making friends and like adapting to certain situations, but there's probably things I need to work on to help me like move forward and be a better person. And um, so I started looking into that more. And another thing I realized is that I never got to grow up really. I just had to, you know, not really have a childhood. It's interesting when people say, oh, you have a really old soul. It's just like, no, probably because you're around a lot of adults and it was kind of shitty. So you had to grow up really fast. So um, there was a lot of times when I'm by myself in certain cities or whatever, where all those, you know, things started coming into play and like messing with my head and like not really doing that well for me. And then while I was around like 28 or whatever, I was trying to work through this. And then I moved to LA full time because I was like, I need to, you know, put more of this into acting and like get more into it. And when I went there, I remember I broke my leg and ankle at the same time. And uh, it was really fucked up. Um, but prior to this, while I was working on myself, I was like, you know what? I need to go back to theater. I really need to go back to like my roots and like cater to that to make myself a better actor and just like move forward and like, you know, make myself more, you know, work on myself in that way, my craft. So I had auditioned for a play and the play was called Crossing Minnesota. And it was about, it was the writer, Mary Catherine Nagel, who is a, um, from the Cherokee Nation, she's also a uh, she's also a full time lawyer, and um, th and actually um, our, our mutual friend Natalie was in it, and she played um, my love interest, and I played her love interest in there. Um, and I remember auditioning for that, and I got it, and then I was super excited to do it because it was going to be an important center stage at the Armory. And from what I knew at the Armory Theater in Portland, that it was like one of the most like high-end theaters that you could do work at and like people go take their stuff, you know, there, then they take it to Broadway. Or shows come from there and go there. And one thing I knew about it is that my cousin, Delana Studi, 
that's her that's that's her that's her home because she's done like solo shows there and other productions there and i remember i was so excited but a little intimidated because like she's she's amazing if you, if you know who she is she'd look her up she's she's phenomenal she's a phenomenal actress and um um i feel very you know honored to call her family and anyway so i audition i get the part and i'm like all right this is gonna happen we're going to do this. We're going to get back in the theater. You're going to sharpen up your skills. You're already, you know, I was getting really prepared and I kind of just like healing myself. And then I break my leg and ankle <laughs> during a sporting event. And then I go back to rock bottom and I'm in isolation again for like two and a half months where all these things I was working for, the art shows, everything just came to another halt. <laughs> It was really depressing because like I had to pass up certain acting jobs and whatever. So that really hurt everything that I was working toward. And um, yeah, I went through that and just pretty much that sucked. And, but one thing I didn't, I didn't tell production that I broke my leg and ankle because I, I didn't want to be recast. Mm -hmm. So I rehab my leg and everything and get back into it. And I remember they extended my, I don't know if you've ever had a broken anything, um, you know, um, but you know, you have to go on a, they wrap you up and then you have to go on a boot later on. So I remember they put me on a boot like a week before I went out for the show. And, um, and I remember I took off my boot like two days before I was about to go. And uh, one thing about recovery is I tell you that like um, the aftermath of everything, I, is the most painful i'm like this is already pretty painful like you know i did two breaks in one leg i think we're good but i remember it was so painful because all my tendons were coming back into my foot and you know my ankle and my leg so i was really difficult and i remember i go to portland i get there and as i'm going there i see billboards of my cousin and the show she's done and how you know it was just bringing around more hype about this theater. And I was just like, oh my God, I really hope I don't fuck this up. <laughs> so I get there, I meet Mary Catherine Nagel and Natalie, and I make a really good friend. Her name is Sarah Lee. She's another actress. And she's done phenomenal work too. Um, um, and um, yeah, just meet this lovely group of lesbians and get in there. And it was, it was, it was very healing. And it felt like, you know, the second part to a Rocky movie where you get training again and everything like that. And everything like comes back into like, um, starts working again and everything. So that was, that was lovely to do. And um, that play was called Crossing Minnesota and the playwright, she's a genius. And pretty much what she does is she writes characters from the past and present. So she got commissioned to write a play about Lewis and Clark and she connected it back to the Dakota Access Pipeline. And pretty much what a lot of people don't know is that Chicago way I met Lewis and Clark where the Dakota's access pipeline was happening. So um, the first part of the play is where Chicago way meets, you know, Lewis and Clark and she's already, you know, um, Charbonneau has already, you know, taken her in and raped her and that's how the baby comes about and everything. And then I play her love interest and then it goes to the future where at the Dakota access pipeline and uh, yeah, that show was pretty awesome. And it was nice because doing that show taught non-natives the real history of what actually happened. And to do that 
in a city where they pride themselves on Lewis and Clark College was a, it was it was a really fun and educational feat to do and everything like that. So it was good. And um, yeah, and um, did that and knocked it out and did the show with these two other natives that I told you about earlier, Natalie and uh, Sarah Lee. And they're phenomenal. And um, yeah, and after that, um, I would go on to do another show. It was called Sovereignty. Um, it's based on John Ridge and it's um, about the um, Cherokee um, constitution and what happened on how everything broke up at that you know point in time. And Mary Catherine Eagle also wrote that play and I got to do that in San Francisco, which is a lot of fun. And I did that with my brother Colin Studi and a few other actresses and um, uh, another actress, a native actress named Elizabeth. Um, and uh, yeah, that was really cool too, because another thing with the theater that I missed is that that human connection, like when you doing the monologue, or you do a joke or whatever, you could just feel all that energy. And one part of that energy that shared is that you're showing some of these white people what actually happened to our people and the accuracy of it and what, you know, just, just bringing that to life in an art form is um is, is, is a great honor to do and and some of the shows we do q a's after and we had like some pretty like tough conversations to have but we we're having them and that was pretty good for you know showing them like what's up mm -hmm. and um yeah and then i move on to later on do a sh another mary Catherine nagel play where i did some understudy for and that was called manahatta and we did that at the yale repertory theater and did that and just right after that, that's when COVID happened. So, yeah. And um, and yeah, did the same thing like everybody else and stayed inside and didn't really do much. And I think that's when you started this podcast, yeah? Yeah, about last year. It was about January, 2021, the end of January. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I did that show there. And that was lovely and did that with a, a lot of other natives are, you know, pretty amazing. And I actually, um, that show has um, Lily Gladstone in it and um, a few other natives in there were doing phenomenal things and um, did that. And then um, pandemic hit, took a big break from everything and um, um, focused a bit more on my mental health because that was pretty isolating as well. And um, yeah, and then come October 2021, 20, 21, or 2020, um, production started coming back and people started slowly going back to LA and doing stuff. And at the time they were just doing COVID testing. That's pretty much all they're doing for productions. And I um, started doing auditions again from home. And then um, I got this group of auditions for different projects that um and then one of them was Grey's Anatomy and um yeah it was the deal in the beginning was just for like two episodes just to pop in and out and um uh, this is cool this is awesome such such an iconic show and was very happy to audition for it and do that audition and then just like all the other auditions just do it and just like you know, whatever happens, happens. And um, um, and then about 
two weeks later, like a week and a half later, I get a call and saying, hey, are you available to do this and that? And because we want you for the show. And <laughs> when that happened, it was just like, this is, this is phenomenal. This is awesome. And to be the first Native American, you know, doctor on the show in turn, I thought that was just so, I, yeah, I was just like, sure. And I remember getting in my car because flying wasn't that safe at the time. And I hopped in my car in Santa Fe and just drove to LA and did that. And it was, um, it was so, like, again, it's another magical moment where you're on this set that's so iconic and like, and just meeting everybody was cool. And everyone's like, just very lovely to work with. And I remember when we filmed that, I, um, from the um, episode, later on, the episode comes out and it comes out that I'm going to be on the show. And I just got this huge amount of support from everybody. And um, yeah, it was just, it was just lovely because um, there's a lot of indigenous people that watch the show, whether at medical school or it made them want to be a doctor. And some comments I had were like, they stopped watching the show because they didn't feel like they had any representation on there. And now they do. And that's just, that's just amazing that I can be that for certain people. And then I remember I was only supposed to do two episodes and then I did one and I didn't come on the show for a while because I was doing other stuff. But also when thing people thought like, oh, did your character die? Because I don't see on the show. <laughs> and man, I got roasted really hard on some things that my friends would show me or whatever. Because like, oh yeah, Dr. Chi, he didn't show up in this next episode because he got COVID and died. Or, or there's like fan fiction things or whatever. After the first episode, they go, his mentor got COVID. So he probably got COVID and he died, but they're probably gonna bring his mentor. Just all these storylines. And that's where I like ran into like, don't read the internet. People will say whatever they want. They'll talk shit, they'll praise you or whatever, but just don't read it. And I just, I just left it alone because it wasn't really too good for my mental health. Um, and then I, um, and then I came back after the winter, after the winter break and did another episode. And that's when word got out that I'm one of the new characters of the show. And, um, you know, filming the episode I did when I first got back was really, it was awesome because like when I first got there, everybody, you know, in the scenes were wearing masks and whatnot, just, you know, obviously for COVID reasons, but this, in the scenes I got to, I didn't have a mask. So that was pretty, that was pretty freeing because also another thing that was intimidating about being there was um, um, was that we were acting with mask on the whole time. And so everything has to be up here with your eyes or everything like that. So that was a good little challenge to go through. And I had done voiceover stuff like video games and all that thing like for Red Dead Redemption and a couple of cartoon voices. So I knew how to control, control my voice pretty well, but just like, it was kind of intimidating just like doing stuff with your, you know, just your, um, your eyes. Mm. So did that part. And then after that, you know, just was on the show a bit more and um, got to do an episode where the, we, had, we added like three more cast members or, or um, guest stars that were native. And one was um, Wes and a few other actors. And um, it was so good to do something with family. And that was really awesome to have them there. And um, yeah, it's, um, that, was, that was really cool because another thing that reason why that was really cool is because there was other native people there and 
that was um that was um i don't know it was it was it, was, it gave me a lot more confidence in a sense um i feel very confident being there but just the fact that you know you're a character that's there that's supporting these other characters coming in so you know giving everybody that so yeah it was it's really cool and I'm still doing it now. I'm just taking a break for, you know, winter. And um, it's, um, it's, been a, it's been a fun, lovely, crazy ride um, because it's just opened up so many opportunities. And also, like I'll say again, it's just one thing I think that's awesome with this and with other native characters, early shows coming to the forefront, like Rutherford Falls and Reservation Dogs and a few other natives making cameos in other shows is that it's showing a younger generation or the generation I'm in that like, you don't always, we don't always have to be riding a horse in a film or like, you know, wearing war paint or whatever. We're just, we're just, we're just, we're just people. And one thing cool about this is like, this is so cool. Like a kid or like my nieces and nephews, like they see me done like do a, you know, warriors or whatever, but it's just cool that they can see me like playing a doctor and a normal person. So mm-hmm. that's just, that's, that's fantastic. I'm just super happy with that. Yeah. So. Yeah, dude. Yeah. It was like, it was so like powerful seeing you get that role because I know like we went to I and you I knew you were interested in acting and stuff yeah. and you were doing auditions when like, I didn't even know what the fuck that was. Like, <laughs> like I was yeah, like, I, what, what the hell does that mean? You know? I remember, yeah. I, I remember one time we were playing stickball and you, we were all supposed to go to Oklahoma. I don't know if you remember this. Mm-hmm. And everybody was getting in the van to go and I didn't go. And you guys, and everyone's like, oh, Rob's, Rob's scared. Cause like those guys in Oklahoma are pretty. Yeah. And I was like, no, guys. Like, yeah. <laughs> and um, I was like, no, guys. Like, I have an audition. I'm like, what's an audition? <laughs> do yeah, remember that now yeah 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 you're like uh, yeah well like yeah i didn't know what the fuck that was and i was like yeah right like rob's lying but oh yeah i know yeah rob's, lying. <laughs> rob's too scared to go to oklahoma to get his ass kicked or whatever yeah i was so bummed because yeah. i really love playing and whatever but like yeah i remember that like rob's rob's scared to get his come ass get the shit be daddy like we all do <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> Oh god! And for listeners, what I don't know if anybody really knows what stickball is, but pretty much it's a full contact sport. It's a very traditional sport, and you have two, um, like, um, they're like mini versions of like lacrosse, lacrosse sticks. sticks. Yeah. yeah, and the ball is the size of a golf ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's pretty. Yeah, yeah. yeah people get pretty hurt. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, we all went easy on each other when we played at school, though. Like, it was fun, you know. That no, was fun. I don't yeah. know. I feel like there's a couple times people went ham on each other, which yeah, I don't know. Which yeah, I don't know. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, dude. Like, I know you were always interested in acting, but man, I was just so I never been around that stuff, you know. And and hearing like your story about even before going to IA, like you were already interested and invested in things that like, I had no idea what the fuck anything was, man. Like everything was so new to me when I got there. It was just, uh, it was just an awakening for me. Yeah. And 
you know, I'm sorry that you had to go through all that when you're younger. You know, I'm so sorry that because I, bro, I like, you know, we, we've talked at school and stuff, but we never like knew each other. Like, yeah. From, from the past yeah. time, you know, the only when I bought cigarettes when I had time for you, that's when I talk. You're my number one customer. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know, I'm sorry I had to go through that, but you know, I'm so happy that you overcame all of that, you know, and you never let nobody's negative negativity or, harsh words get in the way of what you want you know and and it's a it's a true like just testament of what you said are already of like keep doing what you love and just manifest it you know because anything is possible man you just gotta like you just have to do it you have to set your mind to it and do it and i know mental health mental health is a mental health is a motherfucker too you know because i go through that shit too like i go through times where I'm a, I'm a depressive person, like by nature, but you know, I have to keep busy and I have to keep doing what I love and doing this is so helpful because yeah. it allows me to listen to stories that could be similar or yeah. just things that people have overcome. And, you know, it helps me a lot to just keep striving for whatever is out there for me. And, yeah. you know, and I, you know, and I, uh, and it's cool, man. Like, I'm proud of you, man. It's powerful that, you know, you're here, you're here and you're up on the stage, man, showing the world like, yeah, we can be a doctor. We can be a doctor in a TV show. We can be anything like we don't have to be on a fucking horse or yeah. anything like that. Yeah. No, thanks, man. Appreciate it. I really do. Yeah. I mean, it's um, um, since that time when I first met you, it's been a pretty interesting and crazy fun ride yeah so it's um it's good and one thing i think i mentioned to you before um when we like reconnected that you guys do talk a lot about like mental health and everything which i i really appreciate that because i think just in our society or just as men our native men were that's taboo you're not supposed to say anything about that or say how you really you know feel or whatever or like you know because i don't know if i think i mentioned this before like anytime i was sad they're like shut up what are you feeling sad about like you know just so let some kid punch you in the face at school just you know man up all right that's one thing i heard of the kids like just you know man up and then you know someone chuck a cigarette in my face or whatever just like so it's just i mean i think one thing if i would like anybody to take away from this anything at all is just like you know exercising is great for yourself eating right scrapers but also just like talking to somebody and um because i know these past couple of years have been pretty rough and you know even if, no matter what tribe you're from i know we lost a ton of people and everything like that but uh but yeah so um yeah and another thing is that i hope people you know take away like if you fail that's totally fine you know just keep trucking and doing it and um, I know a lot of people are in rural areas too, and that sometimes it's hard to achieve your dreams. But like, you know, um, one thing I did when I was like in rural areas as a kid, I remember watching other actors do their things or watching how someone else overcame something to achieve what they wanted to achieve. Um, yeah, so I think that's that's pretty awesome. And another thing is this: like, I know that we went through classes in IAI where there was like 300 of us or 600 of us. And if any of them are listening, I, you know, 
I know there's a lot of amazing creative artists that went through that school. I remember my roommate, you give them some crayons and I'll give you the Mona Lisa on a piece mm-hmm. of cardboard. Um, one thing I noticed is that like, there's only a few of us that I can count on my hand that are doing what they wanted to do. And I thought about that one time. And um, one thing I'm kind of developing on, as a side project is just to talk to certain communities or certain people at art schools or whatever. But like, one thing for me is that like, when I first started doing artwork or doing this, I'm really happy that it happened to me at this point in time when I'm this old. Because I know if it happened to me earlier, all this stuff, like with art and acting, <clears throat> I probably wouldn't have dealt with it the way I'm dealing with it. I probably would have got into like alcohol or like drugs or something like that just to kind of like numb the sensation because coming from the reservation into, because there's a lot of students that like they're artists and they came into like a spotlight and had all these people watching them and wanting something from them. That really can, if you don't have guidance or whatever, that can really mess you up all this attention when nobody's ever given you attention or told you you're worth anything or told you you're this drawing isn't worth anything or whatever. And you come into this thing and like, Oh my God, here's this, here's this, here's that. It's, it's a lot to, it's a lot to take in. And some people don't realize that it kind of is a bit damaging when you don't have anyone to talk to. And I thought about that that while back is like none of my peers are around and they all in some way or form this happened to them. And that's kind of like really a little bit heartbroken. So if any of you are old classmates and you want to keep doing this, I you know I recommend you get back into it. And it's never too late to get back into it because if I met you when you're at school, you're a phenomenal artist. And yeah, so yeah. Um, and because um, I know the reason why I say like if I got this early, I probably wouldn't have been, you know, I probably wouldn't have lasted that long because I don't have the community I have now. I don't have mm-hmm. like my mental health that I have now or an understanding of it at least. Um, so yeah. And um, yeah, just are the good people around me that, you know, yeah. So it's, um, it's good, but um, just a shout out to everybody who went to school. I think you're, if you want to get back in it, you should get back in it because you know, I'm rooting for you. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's never too late. Yeah. And there's only a handful of us, man, that are out here doing what we want and stuff. And, and shout out to I for letting us in because i didn't think i would i don't know how you got it i'm just kidding Bro, <laughs> me too <laughs> i know it's like same thing. me too yeah i remember someone someone said that like i remember i was at a, i was passing through this like this gala was happening and it was like all native i mean all i alum and um i'm not going to say the person who said this but like they're pretty high up there um, and like wow come in mr mason come and take a seat i'm like i was like this is this is for alum. What do you? No, I'm not gonna. No, this is. He said, "Come on, between you and me, I think you showed your, you know, showed your stripes or whatever. You get your. <laughs> he's like, "Come on, you got your cup. You got your your um. What is it? Your Cub Scout badge. Just go inside." I'm like, "Okay, I got it. This this is working out." <laughs> oh God! So he's like, "Just grab yourself a plate." I was like, "All right, buddy. Thanks. Appreciate it." I'm like, <laughs> and after a while, when I walk in, I'm like, "Did you?" Just give me a alum out of just like <laughs> just I don't know. I just feel like I didn't earn it, but yeah, anyways. But <laughs> let's get back to you. How'd you get in <laughs> Man, I had horrible grades, barely graduated with like a two point 
three or five and i don't know man i just i took a year off and worked at our casino and i felt like i'm just gonna live here in pawnee forever and just fucking die here but my aunt was like hey you know you should go to i um you're into music right because i wanted to be a producer and i was like yeah i remember that i remember you had a you and someone else you guys set up one of your apartments into like a studio or something like that yeah yeah and so i was like well do they have that there you know like engineering and i was like she was like yeah like they should you know and damn i went there and they didn't have that (laughs) and i'm pretty sure now they do (laughs) now yeah i think they do now and so i got into new media arts right now though it's called cinematic arts so it's so when I when I like tell people I went to IA, I I tell them oh I did cinematic arts not new media arts. <laughs> every year they, every year they change it like oh I, yeah I went to you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, but bro, I I had to take an SAT, you know, just like you, and I had to do all these do a bunch of stuff for the summer, just to try to like get my stuff ready to go. Yeah. And I was like, I got it done. And I was like, man, I, I probably won't even get in. Like, you know, this is college, mm-hmm. man. Like, why why would I go to college? And, you know, because, you know, growing up in a in a public school, all the kids that wait, 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 do wait, great. Wait, you, you went to public school? Yeah, I went to a public school. Yeah. In they, um, nice. And so I didn't mean to sound like, kind of like oh, oh, you're, you're good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was shitty. No, but uh, <laughs> right, I went to public school. I don't watch that. I'm like, do they have food there? Like, what is that? How does that? Yeah, you got a lunchroom, but you get you had to walk a ways to go there. But <laughs> but yeah, um, I like figured I was like, ah, you know, because your top students get all the attention, and nobody ever told me what college was. And I I just figured it was an extension of high school. Like you're on your own, but it's just eight a.m. to 3 p.m. or whatever and so you know I I was like you know if I don't get in cool if I do awesome sure enough man I got that letter like two weeks before I was supposed to go and they're like congratulations you're in and I was like oh shit I gotta get my stuff ready I gotta buy some stuff and yeah that letter's so that that, that letter's so um so uh um so nice to get that letter (laughs) yeah yeah I got that letter in my mail and then my mom brought it home and it said I I and I was like oh god like I don't even want to open it because yeah that's why I'm gonna say sorry but we don't have room it's, for it's you it's gonna say sorry sucker yeah <laughs> sorry uh try it try some other school <laughs> <laughs> but damn it said you're in and I had to put my two weeks in at work and I oh went. you oh you had to, oh okay you had to leave work okay cool yeah I was still working and I was working and I was like man I probably wouldn't even get in and then got that letter and I told my boss i was like man i'm quitting in two weeks going to school and took a took a chance because i've never been away from home i'd never like i was like a i had friends but you know working all the time you just kind of you're isolated to yourself yeah and so it was a new experience and damn if i didn't go man met a lot of cool people artists actors filmmakers or whatever yeah it's um yeah it was a fun experience it's funny because I, I drove by there the other day mm-hmm. and i just realized how how fucking far it is from actual the town or the city <laughs> true yeah <laughs> that's what i was saying it was either gas or food yeah gas or food or like who's gonna chip in for gas to go here or there yeah. <laughs> or i remember like the only 
like club you could go to was in Albuquerque. You know that? Mm-hmm. It was like it was, it was like a twenty-one and under, and like we'd all like pack in a car and go down there. <laughs> yeah, it was a. Uh, was it the Lotus? Or- it was, it was, it was, I think it was the Lotus. Yeah. Yeah, because I was under eighteen, and you know, I remember. Yeah, a bunch of bunch of everybody just packed up and went over there, and it was cool. <laughs> yeah, it was cool. Yeah, that. that was pretty funny. Um, that was pretty good. Yeah, God, that place is no, but that I, I would honestly like, you know, that place is pretty um, special to me, and I think it is with everybody else. And also, that place was really nice because I remember when I dropped out of school when I was sixteen. When I went back to school over there, they really, um, it was very nurturing because one thing that's where I found out I was like dyslexic um, because they were pointing out certain things about like, and I always thought like, in some schools I went to when I was like traveling when I was a kid, um, I was either considered like really, really smart or really, really stupid. <laughs> so, um, um, and then I know that I had a bit of a speech impediment too, or like I would always, I had this bad habit of mumbling a lot. Um, and then I, I know one thing I did growing up and I still kind of do this sometimes if I, I can't pronounce something a certain way, I say it a certain way. So it sounds like I'm talking in an accent. Um, but also in some places where I lived as a kid, I, it was easier for me to fit in if I sounded like them. Um, but I went to IA and I remember my first semester, um, her name is Kim Parker. I don't know if you remember her. Um, yeah, she's lovely. She's, um, and she took me aside and like, we did a few things and realized that's what I had. And I was like, I was like, oh, and I was, I remember she told me, she's like, I'm sorry to tell you that. I was like, no, actually, this is, this is actually really healing. I always thought I was stupid or people always told me I was stupid. I just learned differently. So, yeah. So that was, um, yeah. Then I met a lot of other mentors there, writing mentors and everything like that it was a, a big eye opener for everything. And, um, yeah, then I have a lot of friends that are graduates of our alum there that I'm still friends and you know practically family with that are that are um, that are pretty awesome to be around and everything. So mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah, we're alumni, dude. So <laughs> even though we oh, dropped out, we're alumni. What, we're, you know, it's so funny. I don't know, like to top this off or whatever. You called me um, listeners or whatever. Just a while, I don't know, you know, bunch of listeners, but. You remember calling me Rob Lowe for the longest yeah. time? Yeah, that was my name. Yeah. <laughs> he called me Rob, and I was like, "I." It was funny because I was like, "This dumb mother," and I was like, "Wait, he's being serious." And he kept calling me, and I was like, "Who the?" And I just didn't say anything for the longest time. And I just. <laughs> I remember. And, oh my god! You and someone else kept calling me that, and people were like, "Why are they calling?" Because they think it's my real name. Like, you can correct them. I'm like, "No, I'm fine." <laughs> Because I was like, they look so happy saying it, but also like, I don't know if you're, because at the time I was like, I don't know if you're teasing me, but then after I was like, oh, he really thinks my name's Rob. <laughs> oh, that shit is funny. I remember the moment somebody said, his name's Mesa, like his last name's Mesa. And I was like, shut the fuck up. Like, it's <laughs> Rob Lowe. Like, <laughs> like, he's never said anything. They're like, no, for real. And I was like, yeah, okay. And so... I was like, man, fuck it. I'm just going to keep on calling Rob Lowe because I don't know who's telling the truth here. I think that went on for like a year. I want to say like a year and a half. Though, yeah. It went on for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of wish it went on for a long time. <laughs> yeah. It should be like Rob Lowe. That's how I would say Rob Yo, Rob Lowe, you want to come play basketball? No. Yeah. 
I remember this one. <laughs> I remember we'd play like football. And I'm, <laughs> I was like, you and a few other people after we play football, you guys would be at the end of the field smoking cigarettes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I think you guys look, you probably thought you looked so cool. I was like, what the fuck are these guys doing? Shouldn't you want some more water or something? Just, <laughs> you guys are there sweating, just like, it was a good game, guys. Yeah. I know we're playing football in the 70s, smoke cigarettes. <laughs> And I was like, shit, this is how these Oklahoma Indians roll. <laughs> Play a wonderful game of fucking this. They're smoking tobacco at the end. I was like, shit. <laughs> I don't know. These California lungs can't do that or whatever. Oh, so, my yeah, God. Yeah. Telling you, dude. I was so addicted to smoking. <clears throat> yeah. Man. Mm. That was the thing to do. Like, you'd study a little bit, and then you'd go outside and just bum a cigarette fucking smoke. Yeah. I'm not going to give you too much shit because I got it. I remember I got, you know, into smoking cigarettes for a while. And I especially, I knew that I think I did it a lot when I was stressed mm-hmm. too. But yeah. I think that's where therapy came into because I learned how to like breathe more. Just like, or I never knew I had anxiety till like I, um, I didn't start having anxiety till like later on or bad anxiety till I started realizing it. And I was like, oh, this is what smoking helped me with. It was like, Pretty much, it's like me controlling my breath and learning how to, like, you know, calm down or whatever. So hmm. That's um, that's one thing. I was like, oh, this is what smoking used to do for me. I think I think I'm cool with that. We're good. So yeah. Wow, never thought of it like that. Yeah, because like when I, because <clears throat> in stressful situations, I would just like, <clears throat> I just would like want to walk away and like leave everybody and be by myself and smoke a cigarette, and I was like. And I remember when I when I got linked up with my therapist and I and we talked about it and and there was times I knew like I would have anxiety attacks when I'd be talking or if something would happen you just like use breathing training with me and I was like and one day it kind of like it, you know another light bulb popped up I'm like wait this is this is how I oh okay when I smoke cigarettes I I'm calm now I'm good like I you know. And I was like, oh, this is what this was doing to me before or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. Or like, I remember when I'd want to have a conversation with someone, I'd smoke a cigarette and I'm like, oh, wait, this is me kind of like breathing slower, calming down. So I get all my thoughts together or whatever. I was like, all right, this is, this is how I process stuff when I do this. So yeah. So that's what kind of helped me stop smoking. So, yeah. Yeah. Wow. So that, yeah. Yeah, the more you know. So yeah. Well, I didn't start having anxiety attacks until I started working at a casino. Yeah. And you were no do what you're you're a bodyguard there you, I was or? security at River Spirit for like three years and then I moved on to a GSR like a couple years ago. And What's I worked that? there for maybe about two years. So a GSR is a guest service representative and we just cash out jackpots, we assist the customers and fix machines and reload mm. paper i mean it's a lot it's a lot man like it's a lot that's on your shoulders there and yeah. like the upper management like they don't they don't give a fuck about how you're feeling yeah i guess and that's like a 24-hour gig mm-hmm. and you're probably working at night so yeah that's probably mm-hmm. that's mm. yeah I'm sorry that sucks and i remember i couldn't like catch my breath going to work and yeah. I just felt like real tense and 
I don't know, my head was hurting. I was like, what the fuck is going on? Like, I thought I was having a heart attack. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, and I, I rushed to work and then I sat in the parking lot and I just sat there and I was just trying to control my breathing. But it was like, every time yeah. I tried, like, it was like, like my body wanted to breathe faster and faster and faster to where yeah. it was, I was like, so unable to breathe. And I was just like, I had to close my eyes and just like sit there. And I was like, is this an anxiety attack? Like, cause I've never had one. And yeah. I talked to somebody and they were like, yeah, like that's, that's a, that's a anxiety attack. So, you know, if you're not feeling well, then maybe tell them, tell your boss and you can probably go home. And, yeah. But I got better within the night and started, you know, making jokes with my work friends and it got better. And every now and again, though, I'd have an anxiety attack. And it was, it was really weird. I had to get out of that. Well, that's a, that's a, I mean, happy you got over there, but I think that's a thing that's, I don't know if it's a cultural thing or just like when I hear you say like, oh, I just went back to my friends and we joked around. Mm -hmm. I think that's how I would handle it too. Like, oh, I just, I just gotta, you want, you're not, you know, for me, I was like, I don't want to be told like, this is the wrong way to feel or whatever. So I'll just like make jokes or whatever to get out of it or do something like that when, or, you know, or just make a joke like, oh, I have allergies. I can't really breathe right now or whatever. Just, you know, but I, um, yeah, I think that's, that's, I don't know. For me, I'd always like think of like when I had mental problems, I'd always try to find an excuse to like cover it up because I was, you know, showing that you're not supposed to, you know, show any kind of weakness or whatever. And I think I learned that a lot too in relationships, like not giving our, not like saying like hey i need a moment to breathe or whatever or in any relationship or whatever, friendship or whatever just like or any like work situation like hey i need a moment to like catch my breath and like what is this going on what is this a trigger for or whatever just yeah so yeah and i think what's good about this you know current generation that's becoming more and more acceptable in a sense but also you have to kind of like um get people to like you know say that's okay to express that so yeah 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 it was <clears throat> that's that's how it was for me it was hard to accept like come to terms of speaking about how i'm feeling or yeah. speaking about why i'm stressed why i'm depressed what happened to me as a kid uh having an alcoholic mom you know and keeping me away from my dad and shit and na- me not understanding at a young age of what that really was so keeping all that in and never speaking about it because it was the same shit. Like, Oh, don't act like that. You know, keep it yeah. in, you know, just move forward all this bullshit. And yeah, that's, that's, that's it kind of, yeah, it's really horrible. And I think that's, that's good that we're talking about it now because like, I'm, I'm pretty sure you very much want to be a father and I want to be a father one day. Like it's good that we're talking about it now to take care of it now. So we don't like hand it off to the next generation or whatever so yeah for sure yeah 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 it's and that's what i gotta remember man like and my wife's been like so helpful with that to where to be there even just a vent or just to say how i'm feeling or whatever yeah. you know it's, it's a good little support system and yeah and it allows me to do that and then being on the podcast too it allows me to talk about these issues because some person might still be acting that way as if it's not a good thing to speak about how you're feeling. 
So yeah, but that's yeah, that's good that you have that those check-ins with your wife and everything. I think it's um, I think it's lovely, but also I think you mentioned it before on the other podcast. Who was it? I was listening to you um, with about just checking in with somebody of your friends or whatever. Cause I do that too. Like I'll just call some of my friends and ask them, hey, how are you doing? Or how's, how's your heart feeling? That's one thing I always say to everyone. Like, um, but yeah, it's, um, it's good that we talk about that. So it doesn't get um, tangled in. That's, this is how you're supposed to act. We don't tell anybody anything. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah bro. It's, yeah. it's a, how did uh, you, how did you meet your wife, by the way? Cause one thing I forgot to tell you is that, the other kinds of photography that I do is fashion. You're getting really, you, you, he's listening. He's blushing right now. He's blushing. I got him. <laughs> no, because I, I did fashion, fashion photography and I did engagements and weddings. And like, I'm one thing about me, I was like, I'm a huge sucker for like rom coms or whatever, or weddings. I love shooting weddings. That's, um, <laughs> or whatever. Why'd you guys meet? Come uh, okay. So, <clears throat> yeah. So, story, story time right here. We met playing stickball. And see, this was like after I left IA, but James messaged me and said, hey, man, we're playing stickball. You should come through. And I was like, okay. So I went and played, and she was there. And, you know, we kind of seen each other, but I am I was so afraid to talk to girls. You know, I'm, I'm really, like, shy or whatever. I can be. And uh-huh. so we play, and then nothing happens but then you know i add her on facebook and so we're talking we we talk here we, and there but we guys nothing. on the same team or what like uh i can't remember she's gonna listen to this and she's like oh hell no he forgot i'm just kidding i, I carried the team no i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> no but i add her on facebook and then we start talking here and there and finally like you know I asked her to the movies and it was the Wolverine was coming out. Right. Wait, so. you went to the Wolverine, the most shittiest Marvel movie. <laughs> Wait, no, no, not the Wolverine. I'm oh, sorry. That's uh, no, no, I'm mixing up with Logan, right? No, Wolverine. Never mind. I'm but the first one was shitty. Oh, I'm, I'm thinking about that one. You took her to the, the next one. The next one was the Wol- the Wolverine. And okay, then the cool. next one was Logan. Oh, so that's one in Japan. Okay, I thought you took it to that one. Continue, sorry. And I think the first one was, I don't know, that one. I can't remember that one. That one sucked. But oh, right. I thought it was that one. So, yeah, okay, we're on the same page. <laughs> there, he's in Japan. We're good. Good movie. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Now you're good. Now you're there. <laughs> now I'm there. <laughs> yeah. I was like, it's like, it was shitty taste of them scared. God. <laughs> hey, man, it's rom-com. And... <laughs> oh, <cool>. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I jumped on you too fast. I came in, I came in too hot. Sorry. Continue. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> no, but so I asked her, I'm like, hey, let's go see a movie. You know, I haven't seen it yet. I want to see it. She's like, uh, yeah, sure. So, so what movie? And I said, uh, The Wolverine. So she's like, you p- fucking nerd. I'm she's kidding. like, that one sucks. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I, I say, okay, so this day, this time, let's go. So I go pick her up. And we go to the movies and I don't know, I'm stupid. Like I'm real dumb. Like when it comes to dates. So we're, we're in line and like, we're at the fucking ticket guy. And I look at her like right before I'm about to say, 
You're like, hey, can I borrow yeah. some money? <laughs> I say no. I I say something worse. I say, so are you getting your own ticket or am I getting? <laughs> It's so yeah. she just looked at me, dude. Like, like, who the fuck do you think you are? You know, and I, I recognize this look, so I'm like, oh, I'm just kidding. So I oh, buy- <laughs> that's such an like that's such a native thing. Oh, I'm just kidding. Yeah, J- JK. <laughs> oh, fuck. I buy her ticket, and I fucking my dumbass does it again in the concession stand. So. <laughs> So we we get in line and you know like I'm already feeling like a, a turd and we're standing there and we get up to the concession stand and we're like looking and I say uh so uh yeah you want to split a small popcorn so are you throwing in on this or uh... <laughs> are you throwing it it's <laughs> horrible man yeah yeah and I got that same look but in more intense. And so I go, ah, just kidding again. Just kidding again. (laughs) (laughs) I got you. So I bought her a water. You bought her water? Well, she wanted water. Like, I was like, so what do you want? And she was like, oh, it's water. And I was like, okay, so I got a drink and a big-ass popcorn. And and pretty much, like, the whole movie, I think she, she told me, like, she was just mainly, like, disgusted with the way I was, like, I said that, like, are you gonna are you gonna get it or what? You gonna you gonna get you gonna pitch in or what? You know, like it's just yeah. <laughs> and I was like, and I and I don't know, like I enjoyed the movie. I I think she was <laughs> kind of <laughs> <laughs> I really hope she's heard this story before. Yeah, uh... she's heard this story. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, we've good, we've good, talked good. about it numerous times. Okay, and good. so <laughs> but just drag then... your ass numerous times, like <laughs> yeah yeah we talk about this to different couples but this is don't do this ladies and gentlemen don't do what i do but i didn't play it off as well anyway the movie's done with we get in a car quiet ride back to her place <laughs> <laughs> oh no shit really yeah no <laughs> shit yeah dead, dead quiet no crickets in the car she's like we didn't talk about her future or anything <laughs> get to her place and see ya and then that was that. And, <laughs> and she was like upset too because I didn't like open a door for her or walk her to the door. I don't know, dude. I'm I, like I'm telling you, like I'm so I'm so dumb. I was a kid. That's no excuse though. But yeah, yeah. I've learned my lesson though, you know. So <clears throat> I thought for sure like we wouldn't like talk ever again because I I knew it was a horrible day. I knew it was a horrible time. That's pretty ballsy asking you to a movie. Yeah. I've only done that once and I knew it was. <laughs> <laughs> and then we meet up like later on. Um, during like, Indian market. We, we, we meet up later on for Logan, the next wolf. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, the sequel's out. Do you want to go watch the sequel? <laughs> no, but we meet up later on during Indian market and we just talk. Like we just talk and get to know each other and talked all night and and pretty much we just left from there like you know like you don't have to like i thought you know i I gotta take you to a movie i gotta show you this i gotta show you that and 
but it's just as easy as just talking, like getting to know a person and then building a relationship. And I don't know, man, just been together ever since. We've been through rough times, rock bottom, depressing times. And and now, man, you know, like it's been eight years and it's just, Damn. yeah, man, it's been a, uh, it's been a ride, dude. And we've stuck together this entire time. So I haven't had jeans that long. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So shout out to her for putting up with me and my yeah, horrible first date. <laughs> listener, never okay. Listen, never take a girl to the movie on the first date because you don't talk to each other. You just yeah, yeah. You're, you're better off like, hey, do you want to go sit in a dark box together and not say anything? <laughs> That's pretty much what a movie date is like. I think a movie date's good if you guys have been together for a while, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And well, it's not good too if you say what I said. Oh yeah, don't yeah. do that. Yeah, don't don't do that. If you learn anything from this podcast, always open the door. <laughs> don't ask if you could split like <laughs> what, like twelve bucks. Never ask if you could split twelve bucks. I can get like a seventy-five dollar tip if you want to go Dutch or whatever. But never ask like, hey, do you want to split this five dollar? oh my god (laughs) bro was i was joking i can only imagine what her face looks like like the first one oh he's joking the second time yo you want to split this bag of gummy bears girl Oh man, uh, yeah, it was. Hey, it was... girl, you want to split this free water? <laughs> I would, I would laugh so hard. And you'd be like, "Hey, do you want to, do you want to get this coke? Because I drove. Because it's you know there and back. You know, because I got gas the is... yeah, gas is pretty expensive. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, oh, speaking of gas, man. it's it's hilarious because like speaking of dating, I remember like when I first times like. When I go back over there dating, like some of my friends are castmates or whatever. This is an ongoing joke. Like they live in West Hollywood. I'm like, yo, I was like, why aren't you going on a date with that person? Like, oh, they live in Long Beach. You know how far Long Beach is away? Because it's gas. Yeah. Yeah. Gas. <laughs> like, yeah. That's funny. But um, thank God she's with you. That's awesome. That's lovely. <laughs> give her, give her, tell her Dr. Chi approves. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yeah. um, oh that's god, another dude. thing like it's yeah i had to um pick up my niece one time at one of the ihs's um i can't walk into a hospital anymore that's what i can say for sure because because they're yeah and they'll notice me like oh hey how's it going i'm so sorry <laughs> yeah I just thought about that just now. It's pretty He's here. <laughs> He's here. He's here. I'm like, no, I'm just getting getting a checkup, guys. <laughs> oh, one time I was donating blood. This is hilarious. I was like mm-hmm. donating blood. And I remember I came back here to Santa Fe and uh, I was sitting sitting on the table. And not sitting on the table, you don't sit on the table so you can share. And I was <laughs> I was just eyeing them sugar cookies after I was done, and um, and uh, 
this is a few months after it happened and the woman getting my blood and she she looks at the she looks at my chart and um all natives know this you have to give your um your cib or whatever your chart number or whatever so it's like she asked me you know my number and i gave it to her and then she looks back at the the file and she looks at me again she's like what is it and i said give her the numbers it says oh got it i was like yeah that's my chart number it's like, can you hold on one second? I'm like, I look at her. I was like, you're you're watching me give blood. What do you what do you need to go do? She runs off, and a couple of seats later, and she gets a few nurses, and they they're whispering to each other, and I hear I hear someone whisper anatomy, and this is like one of the like third or fifth times this happened, and I got really nervous because I was in the hospital because I was like, what's the protocol here? Am I not supposed to say anything that who I am? <laughs> And so like there's three of them come up on the side and she's taking blood from me. And I'm just like, um, she's like, so what do you do? What's, what's, what's your story? I'm like, um, I'm an artist and I do photography and I'm, I'm an actor. And, you know, so I do, oh, oh, so um, you might, have I, have I seen you any, anything? You might have seen us like, oh, I was like, uh. and then I see the nurses are, they're giggling. And I was like, um, yeah, I mean, um, yeah, you probably have, but you know, you can't notice me from the mask or whatever. And I'm getting nervous because she's like taking blood from me <laughs> and she keeps talking and the thing's filling up. And I'm like, um, shouldn't you be doing your job? And she's like, and she starts laughing because I say that to her. She's like, oh, just go ahead. I'm like, we know, you know. And then she's like, and one of them comes up, she's like, can I have your autograph? I'm like, um, I'm kind of busy right now. And there's blood coming out of my arm. And she's like, and the woman get, taking my blood, she's like, you think I can get your autograph after this? I'm like, guys, what are we doing? <laughs> You're going to have me bleed out. Like, I got so nervous. And like, so, yeah, it was pretty funny. But they took my blood and that happened. And then I signed an autograph for them. And like that. But it was, it was just, it was pretty, it was, it was, it was, um, it was lovely, but it's pretty hilarious because it's a weird thing to be in. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah laying there. Cause you like <clears throat> after giving blood, right? Like I've never given blood, but pretty weak after I'd assume. Correct. Yeah. So I was eyeing the shirt. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, you're sitting there. <clears throat> no, cause I'm sitting there trying to be yeah, donating blood. <laughs> <laughs> and she, cause she like kept like, she's like, you know, asking what I'm doing or whatever. And then yeah. she brings over other people <clears throat> and I get more nervous. Oh, and this happened to me when I was getting LASIK recently. Um, oh shit. <laughs> So I don't know if you know how the LASIK process goes, but like they cut your eye and they do the laser and everything like that. And I go in there and um, my sister and her wife, they're optometrists and I in the field and I go to their office and um, they give me drugs or whatever to get prepared for the thing. And then um, I feel what they give me. This was like, it's like a muscle relaxer, but you're awake the whole time. And I get it, and then they start talking to me about the show, and I'm just like, I don't want to talk about this right now. I'm letting this drug kick in, and as the drug's kicking in, they keep asking me questions, and I get more nervous. And I was like, Can I have another one of these? And then right when I want another one, they call me into the office to meet the doctor. I'm getting do surgery on their eyes. He's talking to me. Then his assistant is right there, um, and then that he's training, and there's another gal behind him and i'm trying to calm down and um trying to let this drug kick in 
and um, it was, it's not morphine, it's something else they give you. Um, and I'm sitting there trying to like let it kick in. He's talking to give me information. He's like, um, and I'm breathing. I'm like, because I knew they're going to cut into my eye or whatever. And I'm like, not feeling anything more drugs. And he's like, so um, Rob, what do you do for yourself? I'm like, um, I just act and I'm a, I mean, I act and do photography and I'm a painter or whatever. And, um, and my sister and her wife are there because they're learning the field or whatever. He's like, oh, do you mind if I ask you what you've been in? I'm like, oh, you can just keep talking about my eye. You can just talk about my eye. And I was like really nervous. And my sister and I go, he's the new doctor in Grey's Anatomy. And then he, the doctor, my, the optometrist of the work, work on my eye. He's telling me certain things about the procedures. Oh my God, my daughter loves that show. She's in residency right now. And when I always go visit her, we always watch that show together. It's like, it's so nice because we can spend quality time together. And like, I was like, hey, can we talk about more about my eye? I really appreciate, <laughs> I really appreciate that. And the, his assistant, he's like, oh my God, you're on the show. He's like, oh my God. And he's like, wait just a minute. I'm like, yo, you're supposed to be doing something right. And he goes out and gets other people to come back in. And there's women in the front they, that they don't know. And they come into the room and um, he sits back down. He's like, by the way, um, before we get started, like this, the assistant's like, me and my wife are huge fans. We didn't want to ask you about it, but do you think you can like sign this for me and take a picture after? And while my eyes are getting dilated because they get in, they give me eye drops before and I could barely see everything so fuzzy. I'm just like, guys, can we, can we just do this later? <laughs> I'm so anxious, <laughs> lying on the table. And then and the doctor's like, and the, the head doctor's like, oh, we'll just get that selfie later. How about that? I'm like, sure, pal, we'll do that later. <laughs> and while they're getting shit ready to shoot in my eyeballs, and then <clears throat> I look on the side and there's more people there and my sister's filming it. And I'm just like, oh my God. And they give me, they give you this like little towel that you hang on to, like you hang on to like right in the center of your chest and it's supposed to not make you like move anywhere or touch your eyes mm-hmm. while you're doing it because you're fully awake, but everything's dilated. And I was just lying there. Like, Don't freak out. Don't be a bitch. When this happens, it's because there's people watching you. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm sitting there, and the, and the doctor's like, just you know, breathe, breathe, I'm like, breathing. And he looks at me, he looks at me, well, because they dilate your eyes, and it's about to go dark in a bit, and everything, and they do the lasers. And he's like, and I was talking to him, trying to like get my mind off of everything. He's like, so, um, have you met so and so in the show? And I was like, God damn, just work on my eyes. <laughs> like, like, I'll tell you all about it later, pal. Just work on my eyes. Like, yeah. So that's. Um, that's been pretty funny when that's happened. So. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> or one funny one I will say. This is the last thing I'll say. Um, I was stopped one time, and this this girl, this couple stopped me, um, and um, and uh, like, hey, can I have a picture? I'm like, yeah, sure. And I was like, and one of my buddies was with me. And he's like, hey, do you want me to take a picture? I'm like, and she's like, yeah, sure. I was like, hey, how about this? We take a selfie. And her boyfriend's standing right there. I'm like. And as I'm telling her boyfriend to come in for the picture, he's like, yeah, we, um, we watch you all the time. She really loves you on the show. And he's just like, I was like, cool, thanks. He's like, yeah, we have to, be, um, we have to watch it every night when it comes on. And he just like, is, he doesn't show any interest in it or whatsoever. He's like, hey, pal, come in and take a selfie with us. He's like, all right. And he walks in and she's like, and we take the selfie. And then they go about their day, say bye or whatever. And this has happened. This happened like four times already, which is hilarious. And me and my buddy were out when hanging out. And I see someone tag me on a picture and it's her. (laughs) 
she crops out her boyfriend. Picture. Let me take it with each other. Yeah. So that's yeah. That's been some fun running since this has happened. So yeah. Damn, getting cropped out. <laughs> cropped out. I was dying laughing. I didn't know that was a thing. And poor guy, he was like wearing a flannel shirt. You could see a flannel shoulder, like halfway in the picture. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Uh, that's that's girl. Yeah, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's a long car ride home. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Well, I hope that doesn't happen to me. Get cropped out. <laughs> If I come visit you and like, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just like, hey, you remember that movie ticket you? <laughs> yeah, right. This is payback. <laughs> oh fuck! Damn, we've been talking for a while, bro. Yeah. Wow. Well, let's. We're gonna cut it here. Um, cut it here, bro. You're welcome back anytime. You tell that back to on. everybody. I don't think anybody's ever been back. I'm just kidding. They're coming back. You're coming back. You're coming back. You're coming back. No, but yeah, yeah you're welcome back anytime, bro. Do this at your studio. That's all you got a dope spot. Really cool to come visit. Yeah, come through. Come through. If you're ever in Oklahoma, I live in Broken Arrow, so let me know. That's It's near Tulsa, so. If you're ever in Tulsa or whatever, just fucking hit me up. I will. I Come will. through, man. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. And I love that you've, I also want to say this. I love how to see how much you've grown and done this. This is pretty, this is pretty awesome. You doing this. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It's teaching me so much and it's helping yeah. me grow. No, of but, course. No. No. But thank you for coming on thank you for making time i've enjoyed our time um catching up and getting to know a lot about you that i had no idea yeah what was yeah who rob was rob low no i'm just kidding (laughs) (laughs) i'm just kidding (laughs) oh man i have the longest joke i had going with anybody like not telling them my real name no that's pretty funny all right. Yeah. Oh man, but but yeah, it was it was fun, man. It was cool. This is awesome. I yeah. really the listeners will enjoy this, and thank you, man. Uh, no you want to shout out where to follow you and keep up with you? No, I don't. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, yeah, you can find me on uh, Instagram. It's my full name. It's Robert I Mesa, and on Facebook, I have a. Uh, fan page on there if you just want to be a friend um you can follow that i'm not really into twitter um because i'm just uh, i'm dyslexic and that shit just makes me nervous uh i do have a tiktok um you can hop on there and check me out other than that um yeah um get ready for more grays and another project i'm going to be doing and i'm actually going to be directing a project within the next two to three months so that'll be out at film festivals come film festival season next year and then i sign on to another project where um you know i'll be um be, uh, being able to kick some more ass on that so it's gonna be fun and, awesome yeah, so, yeah. super yeah, excited yeah. yeah me too <laughs> <laughs> yeah super excited for you bro and uh you got you want to let everyone know where to watch your past projects 
Past projects, past projects. Mm-hmm. You um, can catch them on my website. There's links to my films on there. And um, other than that, you can catch the Frontiersmen on uh, Amazon Video, and I'm pretty sure it'll be on Netflix. You can catch because uh, I'm on Grey's Anatomy 17 and I'm on 18 now. You can catch that on Hulu or Netflix. And then from Dust Till Dawn series, you can catch that on Netflix too. And um, my independent stuff, you can check it out through my website. So. Yeah, and artwork, you can check it out through there, and I'll be getting ready to do another art show in LA. Those are going to be more murals and everything like that, so that's my next project I'm doing there. And then, uh, yeah, I'm prepping that show to take it back overseas whenever I get back, so, yeah. Hell yeah. Awesome. Well, everybody, you heard it here. Go follow Rob. Keep up with him. Check out his website. Go check out his uh, Tecumseh series on Amazon and possibly hulu and netflix yeah it's, I mean, it's I, called I, the frontiersman the men of books america yeah frontiersman and gray's anatomy and mm-hmm. you're going to be back on gray's anatomy soon yes and no spoilers <laughs> coming back check out the past episodes this man's putting in work and so yeah uh if you're not following okie podcast please do that it's on instagram one word Russell Must 49 is my other one. Uh, Russell Sunny go on Facebook. Okie Podcast is a Facebook page as well. Go check out the website, www.okiepodcast.com. Check out the YouTube channel. And yeah, so till next time, everybody. Peace. Bye.